What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Good Anime Palette Podcast. This is episode number 53. I am your co-host, Jason, and joining me as always, and as per usual, we have Will over here. What's up, bro? Not bad, not bad. Uh, things are going pretty well. Um, getting one year closer to my expiration date. Whoa, uh, what yeah. do you mean expiration date? Is your name on death note or something? No, but I'm pretty sure that my days are numbered and uh, I'm, you know, one year closer to it. Uh, I'll, I'll be turning uh, 30-something uh, in a couple days. So, um, woohoo! What better way to spend the birthday weekend than to, you know, do another episode of the Get Anime Play Podcast with my partner in crime. Uh, I'm really looking forward to today's episode, actually, because um, this is the second time we'll be doing, uh, I mean, of course, spoiler alert, that you haven't seen the title already, uh, we'll be doing another iteration of the ASAP. Uh, so, yeah, I think... Um, we, Do you the know first what time, it stands for? First, uh, I mean, I know Primer, Anime Primer. Uh, I forgot what the ES stands for. Anime Anyways. Series Adaptation Primer is what it is. Yeah, so um, good old Jason here decided to come up with that name because, uh, you know, in terms of the title, we are actually going to be covering some anime series that will be coming out in the upcoming seasons that had no prior adaptations and will be releasing. Well, for the most part, most of the ones we'll be discussing will be releasing in the upcoming spring season. And then there's a fourth one, which uh, may or may not be coming out this year. It should, it should likely be coming out in 2023. Yeah, they announced 2023. But when, again, it's always going to be the closer we are till the end of the year, it's like, oh, it's going to be fall. Because, you know, that's it's, where it's all the like, heavy it's, hitters. It's likely to be fall. I think it's right. going to be fall because I think that the summer they've really got a lot of stuff slated for it. It seems that like we would only really be like four like four months away from summer, so might as well just say you know what, give the studio enough time. Uh, I'm not going to name the studio just yet because we'll go over it uh, during the discussion part. But um, yeah, fall 2023 seems like a very safe bet for that specific series. Before we even get to any of that, um, have you been reading or watching anything? No, not really. But will. You see, this is a very momentous occasion for you, isn't it? As in, uh, in the next couple of days, right? As you alluded to earlier, right? Yep. Yeah, it's um, old age. Yeah. Sorry for all the people who are actually listening to this and you're being like, what the fuck is this young kid talking yeah, about? Yeah, wh- what are these dumbasses talking about? But, Will, I come bearing gifts per usual. <sighs> so, you have the choice to either receive it now or after we get through our news actually are you, have you been reading or watching anything uh in terms of well uh, okay again uh, i'm watching some live action adaptations oh right okay yeah. you want to drop that knowledge on us uh okay um it's called makanai okay yeah. uh it's uh um, oh, right, right. i do remember you yeah it, mentioning ca- that. it came out in uh 2021 i forgot which season um kanahana does play uh does, does, does the voice of one of the main characters um the reason why I'm watching it is because, well, it's food-related, and it's also super, super slice of life. If you want to go by the genre tags on my enemy list, that it's a, a slice of life gourmet uh, kind of series. And I'm, the production quality for it, the live action is really good, but I'm not here to like you know just shill for the live action, even though I really, really do like it. I wanted to watch it first, and then afterwards go back to watching the anime adaptation which came out about a year and a half ago and just do kind of like side-by-side comparison because i think when i last checked on my anime list the score for it was decent it was like a 7.01 7.02 uh which is not bad it's not great uh but as far as you know slice of life series go that's a 
pretty standard score. It's kind of hard to be super excited about it, but you also won't be like, at least in my opinion, you wouldn't be super bored to death. Uh, watching this video series so in maybe an upcoming episode or you know in two episodes time when i finally do get around to watching the anime adaptation then i can report back and say hey look actually uh you don't have to watch the live action adaptation on netflix you could totally watch the anime adaptation or read the manga um yeah, yeah. so just a quick info dump here the english name is the caterer at the makai ko manor uh, it has a 7.03 on my anime list, ranked 3932, popularity 4866, winter 2021, produced by JC Staff. And you know with JC Staff, they're all about the gourmet and the slice of life, right? So I think that it's the perfect studio to do that kind of show. But again, I haven't watched it yet, so I don't really know how to go about it yet in terms of you know talking about the series other than what I've seen so far from the live action. I don't know what they've cut from the manga or what they've cut from the anime. I don't know how faithful the adaptation is, but um, it's a... I mean, I'm enjoying the ride. Oh, wow. The manga is a 7.89. Holy shit. That's a lot higher than a 7.03. Yeah. Okay. So it actually went up a little bit then. I went, yeah, I think I saw it at 7.01. So I guess there's there's someone out there that's uh, catching up on an anime backlog. It's not us. So uh, there is another live action kind of slice of life gourmet. I don't think it's based off of any manga or anything like that. Midnight Diner. That's on Netflix. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I watched it. So is it kind of similar in the sense that Not it's like, like vignettes and it's just cooking and no, no? Uh, well, it, I guess the, the, the commonality would be the cooking, right? Right. Um, and of course, it would be like little backstories of the characters in there. There might be like a little sort of like side story as to who this person is, how they came about to be the person they are. And then afterwards, they end an episode with some food. Uh, this one is, it's got food throughout. It follows the journey of two high school girls that decide that they want to be uh, Maiko. Uh, basically, they want to be like, uh, I forgot what the word is, but essentially they're like junior geishas. Uh, so they go to this boarding Right, but house. Not, not the... Not the old traditional definition, more like a caretaker or someone that, you know... No, that tradition still very much lives. It just okay. depends on how far you choose to exploit it, Jason. Shit, sorry. Yeah. So, um, actually, what's really, really uh, funny if, as well is when you look up the word geisha on Wikipedia, it still shows a lot of those, like, Westerners going in and getting, like, the geishas to light their cigars. They do traditional dances and all that. But there, but then there's always the, the controversy subsection uh on the geisha page um because people still have that kind of perpetuated stereotype of what a geisha is supposed to be but that's not but none of that ever happens in this series it's a, it's very wholesome uh these two girls go about and want to become like junior geishas is it like modern or is it it's set in contemporary times oh, okay so it's yeah, not so it... yeah, it's not like set back in like the 70s or 80s or whatnot no it's like at least in the live action they all have their smartphones. It's all doing like SNS, like social network uh, like services and all that. So is it kind of like Rakugo in a sense that it is a like modern Rakugo is a dying art, kind of not really. But it's it's just basically showcasing you know the preservation of traditional cultures of Japan in modern times, okay. and it's a very beautiful contrast between you know. People like looking into old folklore, the dances and the singing and the makeup, but also then, you know, very much realizing that the reality we live in is that people are kind of just living in 2022 
2023, whenever like this story was based. And it's it's just nice, it's nice to see that even through this digital age, this modern technological world, that there's still you know people that want to preserve that culture and share the traditions beyond you know their current generation. Um, however, the story goes on in terms of like the one of the girls not being very good at doing that shit. But actually finds out that uh, the main uh, uh, the makanai, which is the, um, the 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 home cook, basically the person who is you know the chef for the junior geishas in between their practices, in between their sessions and all that, making sure that they provide good, comfy, traditional foods that keep them healthy and energized to be able to go through a full days of work and then get enough rest so that you know they're not fatigued whenever they do uh, their late night sessions or their or their practices. Uh, and so do they show that. that part quite well, or do they just only mainly show the oh, like the before and the after while we cook that kind of like, like? It's a, it's it's a full off. cycle. It's 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 very very much like covering like what it actually means to be a junior geisha and then that transition into becoming a geisha. Uh, there's a couple of like the sort of more psychological emotional parts. Uh, in terms of like the the rigors and the struggles of becoming one, and I guess more like behind the scenes of what it actually means to you know live up to that kind of role. But then the whole like slice of life fluffiness is tied in by this young girl who actually realized she isn't very good at being a junior geisha, but actually is very good at cooking, and just makes wonderful food for everybody and manages to stay in the micro house so is it a uh, very healing you know what i mean a oh, very... it's, it's 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 essentially like it's it's us yashke as slice of life as gourmet as can be again though i am speaking from the perspective of having only watched the live action i don't know how it translates from watching the anime adaptation um clearly there, there probably are some issues the fact that there's a massive uh score disparity between the manga source and the anime source but i mean i'll have to report back in in like two maybe four weeks time when i finally get around to watching the anime all right so uh there you have it will is watched a live action and will watch an anime adaptation of the live action, yeah. which is based off I of didn't the watch any anime, but I technically did watch something. So um sorry that I took like sorry I took like five minutes talking about that shit. But hey, um good, you know, we'll, we'll 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 maybe unpack it again in like two weeks' time. All right. So uh Will, would you like to have your gift now or after our news? Let's do it after the news, because I All think right. that we, we got a lot of news we want to go through. Um should we go through the um uh, the, the book of the Shinkai one first? Yeah. Because so- that one is a bit like what the fuck? But also, like, I could see where this is coming it's from. It's a bit timely also because uh, Suzume, which is Makoto Shinkai's latest movie, has uh, going – actually has premiered in it, Hong it, Kong. It premiered uh, two days ago on the second. Right. And it's well, obvious uh, – Okay, as of recording, right? Right. So. And it has done gangbusters over in Japan. I think it was, like, top ten, top it's, seven. It's crept into, like, the charts for sure. It of is it's highest really, of all time. really, really, really well. It's insane. So uh, – Makoto Shinkai, if you've not heard of him, well, if you've heard of your name, have you heard of Weathering With You? This is his third kind of of those films. In terms of like major like blockbuster in anime form. So yeah. I mean, uh, of course, he yeah. has done stuff in the past as we went over before, kind of, right? Yeah. But I would say that he he didn't really made a huge name from like internationally speaking 
until your name weathering with you yeah, as well. Yeah, back then it's like you really had to be in the know. It's like, okay, like now we talk about it. It's like, okay, for sure we know Garden of Words. It's beautiful. But at the same time, it's like when it came out in, in 2013, it's like mostly people in Japan knew. Mostly like hardcore weeb circles really knew. But beyond that, not many people would have yeah. even thought about looking up Garden of Words. But yeah, not you, like record-breaking Yeah, type. when you say your name, like... I, I would My name is Jason. Like one out of three or one out of four. <laughs> that was a terrible one. Uh, one out of three or one out of four people would be like, yeah, no, I, I know a bit. Or I know I, I've watched it. So th- the fact that he's starting to build up that track record of putting out these global hitters, it, it's cool to see. Um, however, that's not what this article is about. Uh, actually, uh, what we wanted to focus on was about a week ago, Makoto uh, Shinkai was in, uh, you know, he, he, he was he was in Berlin, uh, in terms of watching this uh, world premiere uh, called Art College 1994, uh, an animated drama um, that's led to Shinkai saying that you know what, there's going to be a point where Japan may not be the global anime powerhouse that the world knows. In fact, there may be another country that would, would leapfrog it, China. So. Art College 1994 was a Chinese animated drama produced and directed by Liu Jian, who we don't really know much about. We don't really want to go too much into it because, again, if we don't know much about it, we don't really want to start talking about something that we don't fully understand. What we do understand, though, is that Shinkai truly believes that there's going to be a point where, quote-unquote, the quality of Chinese movies is improving rapidly, and they're also able to build unique characters that we have in Japan. So sooner or later, they're going to overtake us. Um, that's a that's a pretty strong statement coming in from one of the more recently like most acclaimed anime directors of all time. The fact that like he has been at the forefront of pushing Japanese animation over the last ten years. Yeah, actually, yeah, 10 years. Garden of Words came out in 2013. And now he's coming and saying, that, yo, we're, we're doing real well. And we saw it, too. Like, anime, the, the, the anime industry has boosted, like, massive profits for Japan. And now he's come out and said, like, okay, we'll have our fun for now. But China's coming to take that belt. And soon we will see much more Chinese-produced, Chinese-directed animations and... I guess in one way it's to be expected. Like, yeah, I think it is to be I mean, expected. There's, there's just so much more manpower, so much more resources, and it's just. I, I guess in a way, it's also like I wonder why it's taken so long for Chinese animation to come out. It might just be because the fact that like the quality of Japanese animation has been so high that that's how high the bar's been set, and China is but is slowly but gradually climbing its way up towards it, potentially exceeding it, or at least what that's what Makoto Shinkai says. I mean, I think it think uh, animes like Link Click that we have heard numerous things about, I watched maybe like an episode or two, and I thoroughly admit that it is a very, very well done anime. People have been telling us, you know, like our friends are just like, hey, you should check this out. And obviously when you outsource a lot of stuff back in the day to like Shanghai and China to do your anime work, Sooner or later, people are going to get a lot better. The industry in China is going to get a lot better. And sooner or later, you're going to get people be like, hey, why don't we just do our own stuff? I think one of the things that is quite – people tend to forget, though, is – I mean, in a way, Manhua Webtoons has kind of already done a, quite a lot of that already, at least within the 
the manga kind of comic book sphere, won't you say so? We don't even know like one percent of manhua that comes out of China, and it's staggering how much like manhua and Chinese comics there is that we legit don't know about. Granted, a, a huge portion of them are kind of centered around like Journey to the West and like Three Kingdoms and triad based stories, but. At some point, like once they go beyond that shell, because I think a lot of the animation, at least this is what Shinkai says too, that a lot of Chinese animation more recently draws inspiration from other like cultures, other fields. So a lot of it comes in not 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 copying, but in terms of like just drawing inspiration from like Japanese animation, Western animation. He then says that over time, Chinese animation will start to develop its own style, its own uniqueness, and. We we should be excited to see what comes out of China. Yeah, I mean, also Korean manhua as well as webtoons has been getting a lot of splash lately, and it's kind of now been a mainstay of source. It's like a subsection, but still, I would say you can't talk about anime at least to a certain point without mentioning Korean webtoons and manhua it's tapas no, it, and everything. It, it, it's right? It's no longer just like Japanese anime. We are starting to see Chinese anime like coming into the mainstream. Korea. I mean, dude, there's so many manhua and webtoon adaptations. Some coming up like in the upcoming season. Yeah, as well. exactly. And here's the part where I have to admit I'm a little bit ignorant or like just, just not as well informed. Probably. Uh, so when I watch Link Click, I think I even mentioned it to you, and even on the air, it was just a really odd sensation. Not because the anime was bad or anything. In fact, I think it's the opposite. But because I knew, uh, you know, Putonghua. And I obviously watch a lot more Japanese-speaking anime. It felt really weird to me that I am listening to Chinese. I mean, did you have the option to watch Link Click in, in Japanese And it dub? didn't sound good. Yeah. It sounded fine. It just didn't sound like it's, what it's, I... It's yeah. just what you're accustomed to. I mean, I think you know when we were talking about that specific bit where you're seeing like hearing Link, uh, Link, Link Click in its native language of... In Mandarin Chinese, of course it makes sense. It's a Chinese show, but it still feels weird. In the same way for me when I was growing up and watching Pokemon, I grew up watching Pokemon in Cantonese. But then I watched it in English. Oh, that's fine too. I watched it in Japanese. That was a bit weird for me. And maybe it's not so much that it's like there's supposed to be a specific language that a medium is supposed to be that for you to fully enjoy. It's just contextual. Like, yeah. And I, and I think at some point the issue of subbing and dubbing which is kind of a long long argument that has standed the test of time within anime is going to become more and more blurred and i think that was one of my bp topics that i wanted to touch with you at some point touch base with you at some point so i mean how many hours you got for that bp because jesus christ sub dub that's i think we should do a trilogy is what we should no, i'm just kidding i don't know i don't know how long we can go we can go on forever it could just be one bp on specifically subs, subs and then dubs because because just the whole history of doing subs in general god damn like we're going like 20 even 30 years back do you think we of, should make it an ep instead it's, it's it's easily doable you know that yeah all right, sorry All about right. the waffling. We'll go into the next one, which I think we can breeze past as well. Um, if anybody can read Japanese and is very interested in reading Shoisha's uh, Ultra Jump magazine, uh, there's going to be a reprint for the March issue of the magazine, which will roll out on March 15th because that issue is going to be debuting the first chapter of Hirohiko Araraki's... Oh, no, Araraki. Araki. Sorry, didn't mean to mix in the Monogatari stuff in there. Uh, <laughs> Jojo Lands, the ninth part of the Jojo's Bazaar 
adventure Wait, manga series. Uh, Will, what is JoJo? Yeah, jo- bizarre. that's, that's, what, the, what that's is that? the part where like I'm a little bit miffed about because I've like, not heard of this. Like every single part of JoJo had great names, right? Like you had like more more recently on the air right now on Netflix, it's Stone Ocean, the upcoming parts, which is Steel Ball Run, uh, and then Jojo Leon or Jojo Lion. At least that's how I imagine it to be pronounced. Um, after that was finished, there was like a lot of murmurs about like when Araki is going to be coming out with the ninth part uh, of, of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. And uh, I thought it was an April Fool's or I thought at least it was a joke that it was going to be called Jojo Lands. So this sounds like this kind of crazy, like Super Smash Bros. kind of thing, where they just or like a theme up. park yeah. kind of. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'm conflicted, right? Because I don't know anything about the later parts, but it's just, and I don't want to say Ara- Araki's phoning it in because that's not what I'm trying to say. It's just so less bombastic. Is, yeah, the later parts as well is like, like I mean. At least for English, it's up to Stone Ocean right now on the Shonen Jump app, uh, Jump Plus. Um, but uh, yeah, Steel Ball Run isn't in English just yet, but it is currently the highest rated JoJo series on my my list. Oh shit! Yeah, like the bar is. Inc- I think it's like the only one that it's like breached a nine. The other ones are like high eights, except for well, I, I guess for Phantom Blood. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, the later series get better and better and better. And I don't know shit about Jojo Lions because it hasn't, it's not even out yet, but it'll come out in about two weeks time. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the plot synopsis for, for Jojo Lands. Ready? Okay. So, uh, there is a guy and a girl cause you know, uh, they're both Jojos. They're twins. Okay. Then they arrive at a theme park and each ride is a different part of the previous JoJo's, like part one, part two, part three, part four. And you know those things where, like, you have to get a stamp once you you finish the ride? So it's like one of those. And then it marries all of the old JoJo's together. So so instead of, like, using arrows to get stands, it's now a stamp on your little punch card. Yeah, and then once all the stamps have been completed, once you have collected them all... Then you become the ultimate stand yeah you, you have you've acquired the ultimate stand because because the stamp of approval you know yeah get no, it? This, this is getting truly more and more bizarre okay um yeah i guess uh get excited if you're looking forward to the ninth part of judges of our adventure if you can read japanese and if you can buy the ultra jump march issue but it's cool because it, it's out of it, it they canceled it out of print and then they're bringing it back so i was Kind of I guess it's just, that's just the weight that JoJo still carries, right? Like, I'm glad that it's there, but please, like, get the English done for Stone Ocean so we can start reading Steel Ball Run because I'm really fucking excited to read that. All right, our next couple of news stories is serious and weird at the same time, but let's start with the more serious one, which is about Japanese animated uh, videos that uh, talks about taxes. You like that? You like Will taxes? Yeah, this one actually is a little bit more heart hitting than boring, though. Um, so there is an advocacy group uh, called uh, Voikshin. I'm totally butchering that name, but I'm just reading it how it's spelt. Uh, they've come out and are now opposing uh, one of the newer uh, controversies that's going on in Japan: a invoice system, uh, which actually could be potentially business ending 
for a lot of these uh, freelance and beginner voice actors and actresses. So it, as, as Jason mentioned, it's a series of different videos, most of which I think are on on, uh, on YouTube. I don't know if they have English uh, subs, but um, it doesn't really matter because Anime News Network puts everything together nicely in English for you. So the first episode talks about how about the system itself, and it debunks a common misconception that the law was created to address tax evasion by small businesses. It is not a profit tax, and the amount businesses pay is not a deposit. So essentially, what they're saying is that they're they they feel that they're under attack because there are a lot of freelance and low income uh, voice actors and actresses who, because of the amount of wages they make and how it's reported back to uh, their tax revenue system, it's um it's tax free. But now with this new system in play, everybody gets taxed, and so therefore, she could end up bankrupting a lot of young upcoming or just freelance voice actors and actresses who in the beginning just did anything they could to find their foot through the door and now might actually find that it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to be able to make a living. Yeah, because this also does not only affect a voice actors and actresses. It also would affect, uh, you know, manga creators and anyone who just kind of wants to do grassroots movement, like start their own business or make a name for themselves rather than getting, you know, a big conglomerate like Suecia to back them up. Sometimes, you know, especially nowadays that the internet is readily available to literally every other modern anime fan, you upload stuff onto your databases, you upload stuff onto these website platforms, things like Naru and all that stuff makes it very, a lot more accessible to be able to put your name out there, get experience, co-mingle with people. So now that this tax law is going to be actually in place, right? Yeah. But it's not until November, I think, of this year, 2023, the issue becomes, unfortunately, as, as as boring as this might sound, it could literally break the industry just because there are so many people that are not, you know, under the umbrella of a large conglomerate or... They, yeah, they, they're not represented by an agency. Um, so therefore, they're kind of just left to fend for themselves. And if it means that they have to pay an additional tax just to be like a solo artist, in the sense of being like a, a solo, freelance, non-attached voice actor or voice actress, it can be really hard for them to even like gain motivation to do this work. Now, I'm not trying to be like big brother here and explain that this is a necessary tax, but you know, Japan has been going through some economic struggles. Um, its GDP is is lower than before. Uh, a lot of places are at least reported to be on the verge of bankruptcy, including the former capital, which was Kyoto, um, simply because, well, COVID, right? Um, but at the same time, more recently, they've come out and reported that the population of Japan is shrinking, and not just shrinking, but also getting older, which means that they actually have much more burdens on their social health care systems. Uh, it is now becoming harder for them to be able to provide for the aging population that they currently have. And this may just be another way to be able to pump taxes back into that system. Right. Just to give you guys a rough idea... They said that according to surveys, 27% of uh, survey responders said that they might go out of business due to the uh, invoice system and that they discovered that 98% of respondents are sole proprietors and uh, they will work and about 20.6% of them worry that the invoice system will force them to go out of business. 
So either way, they might go out of business. They might definitely have to spend a lot more money on taxes. And I'm not here to kind of break down how this new tax code works. I don't live in Japan. I don't know enough about accounting and tax laws to be able to tell you. But those numbers are easily quantifiable in, in that it will affect, I mean, in this case, anime and manga industry. But really, you can really extrapolate that to a lot of small business owners or freelancers, right? And they don't have the typical health benefits or all that stuff that usually gets tied in with being a permanent employee at a company. So, yeah. Okay. Again, I don't want to be a stickler for those kinds of, these kinds of things, but I don't think that the anime industry at large will be affected that much by it, simply because the fact that a lot of the productions we do get are tied with voice actor and actress agencies are ready. Yeah, that is true. That so is it's true. like so so when we're talking about like major productions, like anything that comes out of Tesco Productions or or Trigger, JC staff and whatnot, the 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 slate of actors and actresses they have on their books, they won't be affected because of the fact that they are part of an agency. What this does affect though would be indie projects, Kickstarters, GoFundMe's, advertising. Right? There's a lot of animated commercials that don't use like big name actors and actresses, but rather, you know, more freelance, on the go, up and coming youngsters who want to get their foot. That's how a lot of actors and actresses got to start. They do model shoots, they do commercials, they do ad reads, and or, all that. or they're like background voice character number five that does a grunt. But literally, yeah. that's how you get your start. Not everyone like can get like the big star studded role first time every time right so i mean it's let's see how this would affect it yeah i mean there has been like some murmurs that uh you know ken akamatsu who was previously a manga artist and now turned legislator in japan uh he's come out and said that he's focused on trying to change the law itself if there are any issues that arise from its implementation so i think this will still go ahead but there's obviously going to be an ongoing discussion of how successful this new tax law is or how how much of an issue it actually provides to the anime or at least the voice actor and actress like, industry. Hopefully it doesn't have that much of an issue. Uh, that's that's just me being like like super optimistic, but I know there's going to be some ripples. Also, not just taxes are coming after the anime and manga industry, but also AI. So Will and I recorded an episode about the potential use or misuse of AI. We have yet to release that bits and pieces. But here is a bit of a prelude to that, which is a new news story that comes from none other than the mangaka of One Piece. Yep. Eichiro. Oda has come out and said that he used ChatGPT to write the next chapter of One Piece. That's it. I don't think we need to go over because that's literally what he just did. Whether or not he's actually going to use that script and create the next chapter of it, we have yet to see. Um, nothing's come out yet. But um, yeah, it's uh, gone to the point now where AI isn't just you know being used to create indie manga series or do background artwork for you know a major studio or but, the sequel to vivi uh i mean that 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 synopsis was trash whoever put wrote, the prompts were terrible um so yeah no ai is still very much like prone to human error or just bad human input um but uh yeah look um oda 
if you're going to do this, double down. Why don't you make a whole volume that's done by ChatGPT and then afterwards get a whole season of, or not even a whole season, a whole, like, yeah, do, do another, like, two curves, maybe four curves of, of anime that is just completely done using AI. And I wonder what that will do to all of the. I actually do. I because I, I haven't really seen much in terms of like we, we we know this is happening, but what do the fans feel about it? Knowing that like the legendary manga artist himself, right, Mister Fucking Aichira Oda, has come out and said, "Yeah, I'm not writing my own shit for the next one. I'm just going to use ChatGPT." I don't know. I think. I think it's kind of like, hey, ChatGPT is really hot right now. Let's just see what this is all about. I just think the fact that he entertained it and then publicized it is iffy to me. Because, sure, maybe it was just, like, to mess around and just have, like, a jolly good troll, right? But part of me would wonder that the really hardcore One Piece fans would be like, well, then, is this written shit because technically it's ChatGBT? Or is this written shit because Oda is just not on the ball with the writing or somewhere in between, or if it's successful, like, you know, it ended on a banger. It's like, you sure you didn't get help from this AI that you mentioned a while ago? Mm, Oda? Mm. Who knows? I mean, this could just be as harmless as Oda just trying out ChatGPT and then tweeting about it. It could just be that. Yeah, um, it can just we, be that. We, we, we legit do not know how much of ChatGPT. I mean, that's what he's, that's the report says, that he's gone now and used ChatGPT to write up the upcoming chapter uh, of, of One Piece. Whether or not he's going to follow through and actually use it for, you know, the next chapter, who fucking knows. Um, but yeah, that's the, the, the weird shit um, that's happening uh, this month uh, in anime and manga news. So wait, let's see. Let's see what happens there. So... Our last news story is one that is just straight up funny as fuck. So there is a author called Nishio. Uh, you might have heard of him, Will. He uh, wrote a lot of shit, most well-known for the Monogatari series, as well as Pretty Boy Detective Club that I kind of like and thought it was all right. He had a manga called Cypher Academy. You following me so far? So this academy... Uh, guess what? It's all about ciphers. It's all about codes and all about like these challenges and whatnot. So, you know, when you challenge someone, you know, like in a shonen battle, they challenge each other with these like mini games with breaking codes, like the Enigma, that type of stuff, right? Some real puzzling shit. Yeah. So it debuted on Shonen Jump. You know, it's doing all right, I guess. And everything is uh, fine and dandy, right? Well, Kotaku is reporting that a translator has decided to step down from Shonen Jump manga after declaring that one of Nishio's uh, chapters is untranslatable. Do you want to pronounce the, the translator's name? Kumar Siva Subramanian. Yep, he's come up and taken up the impossible task of translating a lipogram-based cipher battle between two characters, Hasaka and Tayu Yugata. Uh, so a lipogram is a word association game where participants must avoid using certain combinations of syllables or letters. Now, that sounds really fucking hard already in Japanese. But then you got to read that shit and then translate it into a context that an English reader would be able to understand. Yeah, no. Using Nishio's like wordplay and just 
just just insane. Yeah. See what Super Mario Amazon just came out and just said, you know what? Like, nah, I'm not fucking doing this. I well, quit. Well, to be fair, we don't know if he is stepping down because he he he's a veteran and he's just like, oh, that my time has arrived and might as well pull the trigger now on this. Or he was just so frustrated, he was just not, no, no, if this is how it's going to be, I'm getting the fuck out of here. So I cannot explain yeah. the, the translation or the lack thereof or not getting the meaning across. And it's not like this guy is like some junior, like fucking freelance translator. Dude, he's got well over 20 years of experience translating works. So for him to come down and say, this is not like, doable i'm gonna step down and a new translator is gonna take my spot you know that syria that nishio has done some real serious shit like we've already talked about how translating the monogatari series was already like a tough task and even though you're watching it and reading the english subs and enjoying the shit out of it you're only really getting like 50 percent of what's happening on screen because it's hard for you to understand the intricacies of the language or the way that nishio uses language so um yeah my god some of these panels are just straight up like the smallest text ever i have no idea what's going on man like looking at this and then having the japanese and the english like side by side like and and this comes to the thing of i mean yeah it's kind of a weird funny story but it really does encapsulate how sometimes language is not one-to-one right there are like even within Cantonese or or, or Putonghua, there is in Mandarin. There is there's all these nuances, all these word plays that just would not make sense, or would not be transferable in such a way that it captures really what the author is trying to get at, right? Yeah, because it's not just syntactic; it's not just phonetic; it's also cultural too. That's the thing that language more often than not loses when it comes to translation. And so to take away the genius that is the use of the Japanese language that Nishio has, and what a fucking master he is at that shit, but then trying to put that into an English context that English readers can at least understand, even if you do understand what's happening, I don't think you would be able to fully enjoy the masterful use of language that Nishio is displaying. So... if you were to read Cypher Academy, you might think it's shit, but it's not because of the fact that the manga is shit. It's and just, it's not because the translator is shit either. It's just the fact that it just doesn't work like that. It doesn't translate well. It does not. So, look, hey, props to you, uh, Kumar, for trying to translate this shit, realizing that, you know what, there's just sometimes some battles are just not worth fighting for and just, you know, offloading that kind of burden on someone else. Who knows? We, we may not be able to see like, an actual... Trans- or or, or my, my main bet would be that there is going to be someone that pushes out a translation for that particular chapter of Cypher Academy. Like a fan or something? No, or... they actually do have someone lined up. It's just whether or not that person will use the same like, methods of translation as uh, Kumar would. But there's no guarantee if it's going to be any good. So I don't think there is an equivalent game in in, in English for that, right? The whole... Lim- and it's like Limerick, but it's not Limerick either. It's just It's just... You know, what was that one that starts with an S in J- Japan where, like, you end on a syllable and then the next person starts with that syllable, Shiri Tori or something they like that? that? They do that. Yeah, they, they do. They have those kinds of, like, linguistic games, like, in, in Japan and in Korea. China has them as well. Uh, I'm sure every other culture has some sort of language like or word use based kind of 
game. But again, it's it, it's a context that fits within that particular culture. Yeah, like if I say blowing water will, you won't understand that if you don't speak Chinese or, or Cantonese for that matter. But Cantonese speakers will be like, oh, I know what you're saying. And then, for example, uh, you know, like sing you, like cheng yu, or like four letter phrases. Yeah. How are you going to do that in 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 English? Dude, like you that's just... what that's what I had to do for my masters, man. It was really fucking hard. And how did that turn out for you? I got a B in that class. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. Hey, uh, you should have maybe applied for a Cypher Academy, man. Nah, dude. No, no, no. no I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not taking up that mantle. No, no, no. Not translating. No, you should no, go I'm, to Cypher Academy. Not, no, 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 no. That that again, because this is a this is an academy that was built by Nishio. I know that I'm going to be run through the ringer with that shit. So, uh, I uh, politely uh, decline the the invitation to join the Cypher Academy. Oh, we uh. Cypher Academy, I reviewed your uh, application very seriously, but after much consideration, uh, it is unfortunate that I'm going to have to decline going to your academy. Like, even just thinking about, like, what could possibly be in Cypher Academy and only running off of what I've seen and have read and, and heard about, you know, the use of language from Nishio, yeah, this ain't for me, dog. I, I can't do this. I mean, what is it? The, the chapter in question is the name of that chapter that everyone is losing their minds over is called "Yesterday's War Is War Today Too." Like, what the fuck kind then, of and, title and, is that? And this was a war that Kumar decided he does not want any part in whatsoever. Know when to hold him. Know when to fold him. Yep. So we'll wish everyone the best. Whether it's the person that is going to translate Cipher Academy next, Kumar. Hey. You, you tried, man. But I think anybody trying to translate any of Nishio's work is just in for a really, really bad time. Um, I mean, it, it worked before. I mean, we clearly, like, the whole world knows about Monogatari and all the other works that kind of have come now. Now people are going to be wondering, well, you know what? Like, this Cypher Academy shit shouldn't be hard. I'm going to go, and, you know, throw my hat in the ring and see if I can do the translation work. Yeah, or, or or maybe I'll read Cypher Academy. And then I actually, it's not that, it's actually, like, I think I can do this job. Well, if, when, when, if you think you can, just let us know. Uh, we will hook you up, I guess, with Suesha, because that's what we do here at the Good Anime Pal Podcast. Yep. All so right. I think that wraps it up, right? Some weird, some funny, and some what the fuck news uh, for for today's episode. Just a normal eclectic mix I mean, of what else? What else will we be reporting on? Right? We're gonna talk about the new Isekai that's been coming out in the next year or so. Uh, are we gonna be talking about a new light novel? It's gonna be getting a manga adaptation. Spoiler alert! Yeah, there, there's a lot of them. There's a whole lot of them. Well, that is the end of our news segment. But before we get into our main discussion topic. Uh, uh, I have waited long enough. Will has waited long enough. It is time to give Will my birthday present to him. Now, to be fair, I already gave him some form of birthday presents in the form of a humble bundle. But that's about it. But this was his real gift. So, Will, let me... Um, I'm not playing any games. No, no, no. <laughs> no games. No games. Just you have to answer some questions. So, Will... Uh, we talked about... Are you, are you asking questions to ver- verify my identity so I can receive this gift? Yeah. So, Will, you like anime, right? I do, yes. You like manga, right? Absolutely. Do you like reading words, though? Like novels, though? Oh. <sighs> the last book... Oh, wow. I'm, I'm actually very, very um, 
ashamed to admit this. The last book I read from cover to cover actually was um, Stephen King's Heart, Hearts in Atlantis, and that was about something to do with water. Eight and nine years. No, it's 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 a collection of like three, four different kind of like mystery suspense stories. Oh, like uh, short stories. That's like- actually one of my, that's actually my favorite Stephen King book. I I like The Shining a lot too, but Hearts in Atlantis that was a fucking good book. All right, Will. You like anime, you like manga, you you read a bit, right? Yeah. So what happens when uh, one of your favorite animes just so happens to also be a novel? Okay. Uh, that, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, Did you know that it, you... It would depend on what anime series you're talking about. Mm. Uh, you reported on this news a long, long time ago. I don't know if you remember this. Oh, uh, dude, you know how my memory is. Yeah, well, I have two books for you right now that I'm going to hold in my hand. Okay, so um, I guess I'll fill the air whilst Jason is... Okay, Jason's got the books now then. Will, what's your favorite anime of all time? Tatami Galaxy. Oh my god! There you go. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh shit! Uh, What is another movie done by the same author... Of Tatami Galaxy. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, a Short, Walk-On Girl. And there you go. The two hardcover books of uh, Tomihiko Momori's Tatami Galaxy and The Night is Short, Walk-On Girl. Oh, my God. Wow. This is... Holy crap. I didn't need to see the price for that. <laughs> Wait, is, is the price really there? No, it's just... I mean, it's the MSRP. Oh, well, well I... I what can I do fair, about it? I mean, I, I would know how much these books cost anyway, right? You can just Google that, yeah. So, no, um, but it, oh wow, it's it's the thought and the gesture that counts. Oh my god, you forgot about this, didn't you? You didn't remember? I didn't think that the text would be this big, but wow, okay, this is oh shit. Yeah, bro. Happy birthday, buddy. Okay, the opening. The first chapter does not play the same way as the first episode of Tommy Galaxy. Oh, where he like uh, talks about the map and then talks, the location. Talks, it talks. He talks at three times speed. Oh fuck! Oh, that new book. Smell. Oh god, that's. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have to like the car and then the whole. Okay. okay. Oh, thank you so much, dude. Holy shit! This yeah. is an amazing gift. No, it's a good trend. You're buying me a lot of books. You got me the art books for JoJo last year. Well, books are kind of a dying art, but books that you appreciate, you know? I think it was one of those things. Just Well, that I mean, we're, maybe, we're... maybe you should stop buying your your manga digitally and actually get some heart back. Well, you see, a lot of them are not worth the, the, buying and, physical. But then also, it's like, like, the books here, wonderful, right? They cover everything I want to read about Night of Short and Tatami Galaxy. But if you were to, for example, read, like, Demon Slayer, that's like 24, 25 hardback like mangas. And then that's that's like two, maybe three shelves on a calyx. Well, I'm glad you asked, Will, because no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just, I'm fucking kidding. Um, but yeah, I, I like physical stuff. I'm old school like that. But, but it's, I do- it's also just convenient just to pull out an iPad and just like flip, right? Yeah. And I think physical media nowadays is reserved for things that are just not the dime a dozen but mean a lot to you know yourself or others personally right so there you go well maybe when you move into your new apartment you can start filling in your own calyx 
have it full of only heart bags of all your favorite shit. That would look sick as fuck. I mean, like I told you how my cousin is like a, a diehard like slam dunk fan. He has every single chapter of slam dunk. I look fucking. I was awesome. going to watch the movie and then I realized like I have to work. Yeah. It's no hot. time. Dude, I was at I was at Times Square the other day. They have a whole slam dunk thing going on over there. Uh, Winter House actually has this whole thing with like uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. They have, uh, I think, um, they had uh, Boji as well for some reason. So yeah, we, we need to watch Suzume though. Yeah, um, we we need to find some time to do that. <laughs> Maybe next week. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll find, figure we'll, it out. We'll, we'll find a time. I handed in my project. There shouldn't be a second one, right? Third one, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Slash S. All right, so uh, that is another iteration of Will's birthday gift brought to you by Jason. Uh, stay tuned next year for when I decide to gift Will another book, maybe something of biblical proportions that is black, maybe. I don't know. Who fucking knows about this stuff, right? Wait, is there a hardback version of Bible Black? I think it's a game. That's that's true. Yes, that is true. Oh, wow. You can actually get me the original DVD of Bible oh Black. Oh, my God. Don't say this. Don't. Oh, God. I, off air, I'm going to look up on Amazon if that is even possible of buying a, a, a DVD version How about of it. this? It'll be better if. Hmm. Now, what else? What else can I get? Okay. Thoughts are going through my mind. It has already started. Dude, yeah, we gotta wait another like three hundred sixty plus years before it's the next birthday, anyway. So um, three hundred sixty plus years. Oh, uh, well, depends on which dimension. I'm trying to save myself here. <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, that is it for the time being. We will now go on our break while Will checks on his phone to see how much it costs to import this very illustrious game. Focus on the lust. Is your birthday going to fall on a recording? Yes. Okay. I know it's in the middle of November. Way to call me out, buddy. Should I go further? No. I'll, I'll cut it right here. We are back on the air for the second half of today's episode of the Good Anime Palette Podcast. If you forgot, we are still on episode 53. Uh, I just put up the two books that uh, Jason has so nicely bought for me for my birthday on my bookshelf now. So it is sitting in between my big-ass board game collection. Uh, do not worry, Jason. I will finish reading these books. May even dedicate a little bit of time just to go over my reading experience of both Netta's Short Walk on Girl and The Tommy Galaxy both written by uh, Tomihiro, uh, Mor- is it Mor- Morimi or Moromi? Morimi, that's it. Yeah. There you go. All good. So, we are now going into the discussion of today's episode, which is the ASAP second edition. Okay. We are going over what, what, four what, different... What is ASAP again? Yeah. What does the S stand for again? Anime something adaptation. Anime primer? series A adaptation series. primer. So I'm so fucking bad at this. <laughs> this uh, is now going to become probably uh, an ongoing segment where we just basically grab a bunch, and I mean a bunch I'm, of 
mangas. I mean, it was fun the first round, the first time doing it, right? We covered Mashal, we covered uh, Oshinoko, we also did uh, solo leveling. What was the fourth one we did? The eighth one, you mean? In, in, in that episode. No, no, the eighth one. The, the, the large ass. Oh, Kaju number eight. There That's you go. It. Yeah. There you go. So uh, we have decided that, hey, you guys liked it a lot. We liked it a lot. We wanted to read some manga. And also probably let you guys know what is the hot up and coming anime shows. Yeah. So I think it's also because there was a time when we were doing a um, we were doing a seasonal episode, but because of the release schedule, we actually weren't able to watch anything or watch a lot of certain series. So it became more of like a preview rather than actually like an early review of what's to come for that particular season yeah. so this kind of acts like this this is kind of like a preview for an upcoming season or the season beyond um and uh also just sharing you know what good manga there is out there that you know if you can't wait to watch you know said series you can just start reading some manga so since this is going to become an ongoing segment i feel the need to reiterate uh what we are known for uh disclaimers and definitions so just real quick guys so uh, all of these mangas that we have read are not necessarily the source. Sometimes it is based off of a light novel, novel, so on and so forth. It can't be anime original because obviously there won't be a manga adaptation. But we uh, read manga. So we yeah. thought we also wanted to have a time to talk about manga as well as, hey, tie it back to anime. Uh, three out of these four shows or are coming out, yeah. Three of these four like upcoming adaptations will be coming out in spring 2023. With the fourth one uh, yet to be determined, but it should come out this year. Yeah, it has a 2023 release date currently slated, but you know delays and whatnot could potentially move it to 2024. Yep, and the series that we picked. Um, for the most part, some of them we really, really liked and we wanted to talk about them. Some of them are kind of more like it's, it's quite clear. There's a lot of clamor on like Mal and on Reddit that people are like getting pretty excited and hyped about these particular series. So we're not going to be able to cover everything. Like so it, it, there's, there's actually a lot of new stuff that's coming out in the upcoming spring. Like, for example, like Oshinoko and Mashal, right? Those are coming out in spring. We already talked about them. There's also, uh, you know, like... My my home hero, my, my home hero, a galaxy next door, uh, insomniacs after school, loving Yamada at level ninety nine ninety nine, and also there's like a manhwa, Rayliana, which I think you With also the manor, yeah. Yeah, 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 I think you were like interested to check that out, right? Yeah, so we had to really pick and choose our battles. We don't want to go over and oversaturate the whole episode with like a thousand mangas, but. We thought like four, maybe five. Sometimes if 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 we have a lot to say, maybe three. We'll we'll see how it goes. Almost always is to prepare you, prime you for all of these adaptations that will turn into anime series in the very, very near future. Yep. So the four previous ones we talked about in our first uh, ASAP, um, they're all bangers, at least in manga form. So we're definitely very, very excited to see how they're going to roll out uh, when, they, when the adaptations actually release. And we hope to do the same for this second edition of the ASAP. Now, we will obviously try to reduce the amount of spoiler-filled discussions as much as possible. Because if it's spoilers, then why would you listen and why would you not or watch the anime, right? Totally yeah. get it. If there are any parts where 
having to explain the plot can be a bit spoilerish. We will introduce a spoiler tag, but like Jason said, we'll do the best we can to keep this as spoiler-free as possible because we don't want to detract your your expectations of a specific series just by blowing our load and just letting you know what the fuck to expect, right? Uh, that being said, any promotion material that is out there, any plot synopsis, I think that's fair game. Uh, I also think that, hey, uh, if it's really good, chances are you would want to check them out anyway. So, But we want to get the ball moving with these kinds of properties and IPs that are going to come out soon. So, hey, welcome to the second time around. Let's right. get this done as soon as possible. Oh, no, let's start the conversation as soon as possible, would you say, Will? And let's start it now then. So the first series that we're going to be talking about that will be getting an adaptation in spring 2023 is The Dangers in My Heart, written and illustrated by Norio Sakurai, uh, serialized in Weekly Shonen Champion in 2018, and then moved to Champion Cross, uh, published in English by uh, Seven Seas Entertainment. The current MAL score on uh, for the manga is a 7.89. Popularity, 623, which is actually, like, that's really fucking popular for our manga, um, is to be animated by Shin A Animation, which has previously done Sweetness and Lightning, uh, those, white, uh, sweet, those Snow White Notes, and probably the more well-known, because the fact that there's already been three seasons of it, Teasing Master Takagi-san. And the movie, but I don't think the movie is out yet. Uh, it is slated to uh, premiere April 2nd, 2023, so they announced that already. Yeah, a month now exactly. No, yeah, a month now from uh from this recording, and also in terms of when this will be released. So, only a matter of like four fourish weeks, and you'll be able to watch the dangers in my heart. But before you get into watching it, why don't you hear our thoughts in terms of what we experienced from reading the manga? So, Will, uh, you said you have a lot to say about this uh, manga property. Yeah. Uh. Why don't I give the listeners a bit of a rundown? I think at the very least for all of these manga properties, just a very short, like obviously not read word for word the plot synopsis. Yeah, we try to do a, a condensed, like a bridged synopsis. Ichikawa is a really short emo boy, like really emo boy, and kind of has a disdain for all of his classmates and just society at large. Just think of like Chinibyo, 8th grade syndrome, emo kid, edgy as fuck. I think Will might be able to speak to some of that since he is the lord of all edges. And then on the polar opposite side, who is in his Ichikawa's class, is Ana Yamada, who is basically... Too perfect, right? The angel in the classroom, no imperfections. Does not spoil you rotten, though. And And he fucking hates her. Yeah, she's also not only the most popular girl, but also she's a model. She is a bit ditzy. She has a big... She's big boobs, you know, all of that. Makes her the prime target in uh, Ishikawa's uh, emo-ness. Like the scorn. So hilarity ensues. Maybe some romance, maybe not. But of course, it is a rom-com of sorts. And it is about the two of them kind of getting to know one another and maybe more. That's really it. Yeah, you're. I mean, you've probably seen a lot of these kinds of polar opposite high school rom com drama comedies. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, yeah. this is such a wholly original idea. Yeah, I mean, like Takagi-san, nah, psh, no, 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 nah. nothing to do with the you and I are polar opposites. Psh, 
Uh, Kubo-san is... Uh, uh, yeah, Kubo-san won't let me be invisible. Yeah. I've never heard of these shows e- before. We're even just making like, it what, up. Fucking like, Komi can't communicate, can't even hold a fucking candle to this fucking No, thing, absolutely. Man. So, Dangers in My Heart yeah, will... In, in all seriousness now. How, how much have you actually read of... Because um, for me, I, I read exactly one volume. Oh, I read exactly one volume as well. Okay. Uh, I w- I'll just give you real quick. I wanted to read more, but I just didn't feel it. Yeah, but I feel like just reading the first volume alone is 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 more than enough to be able to give you an idea of what to expect. Of course, it's like you want to read a little bit more because more often than not, like for example, if at least the way that series are getting um, you know syndicated now in terms of anatomy adaptation, it's usually like one cur, like eleven to thirteen episodes. On the rare occasion, it might be a double cur, but it won't be released in one full slate. It might be like split. Yeah, or unless if you're like Jujutsu Kaisen or Mappa, for example, then sure, yeah. You get, half the year is yours, you know? Yeah, you exactly. Do whatever the fuck you want. So usually, and again, usually, there is, uh, let's say, two and a half to three volumes worth of manga, because obviously chapters can be broken down however uh, the mangaka or the publisher sees fit. But usually two to three volumes is roughly a cur or 12 episodes of anime. Um yeah, so I think that's sort of the benchmark that generally people go by. I think the other one would be like pages of manga, which is a fair assessment. Yeah. So currently on my anime list, for the anime entry, it's got uh, around 24,000 members waiting for this thing to release. So it's it's that's not a lot. It's it's quite a lot. I mean, granted again, right? You're you're stacking up this season with things like Dr. Stone, the second season of Tony Kawa. You've got other series that are doing like second, third, even fourth seasons of a series. So to have 24,000 members, that's pretty good. That's modest for sure. Uh also, hey, uh, Oshinoko is coming out March 17th. Hella, hella soon. Yeah. So. And then for all the Konosuba fans, you've also got some Konosuba shit coming out uh, in uh, on April 6th. So that's it's it's always going to be a major ass to have a huge amount of fans on your mal page, like waiting for your shit to come out. So yeah, props to them. 24K. Uh, my, uh, we are definitely going to do a spring 2023 seasonal premieres, just like we always do with every seasonal. Um. I'm really looking forward to Insomniacs After School. I've heard so much about this manga, and I feel really bad that we couldn't cover it just due to the fact that the manga is not released until, like, way later. Yeah, I'm I'm also, like, patiently waiting to see what my home hero looks like. Because you, you and I both watched the, um, the, the, the trailer, and it looked... You like cram- you, yeah. crime bosses? You it, like mafia? It it looked very banana fish Pluto esque. It really does. I, I I honestly think it has a chance of like salaryman turn bad. It's old, gritty. They got that nineties, eighties kind of aesthetic to it. So um so yeah, it's it's stacking itself up. I'm talking about uh, dangers in my heart stacking itself up against a, a lot of heavy hitters that are going to be coming out in the upcoming season. But um yeah, so both Jason and I read uh one volume. Which is like like it's like fourteen fifteen chapters. Yeah. They're not very long chapters. It's like three hundred pages roughly. And, and each each chapter plays out like you would imagine a rom com slash like high school based kind of manga uh, would play out. You have like a little sort of like subplot that happens in between each uh, chapter, but you have the overriding theme of this um, lack of a better word incel. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that Gen- is uh, Ishikawa generally mangas obviously have chapters they call chapter one two three but when they purposely 
change the wording to make it a different type of phrase. In this case, it's cart, which is, I think, a word for map. But I forgot which language. I think a European language for sure. But like cart der deriving from cartography? Yes, correct. Okay. So uh, usually when we – no one really pays much attention. Neither do I. But I thought like when they take the extra time to do something like that, it kind of uh, puts me uh, – it makes me pay attention to these little things that that sets it apart. Like but, it's, not, it's not just a, sh a shtick, right? There's there's some thought that was put into. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. a theme, or maybe there is some sort of connection. In or with, the manga just relics maps. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So map it out for me, Will. How did you uh, feel about Dangers in My Heart? I'm glad that we're talking about this as the first series because I went into this kind of just like blank slate. Oh, not I not really knowing much about it. Um, what, were, what were you going to say? I was going to say that uh, I think this uh, won a decent amount of awards. Or I think at one point, if you can uh, just Google it for me, Will, it was probably number one on the male readers from Mangaga Sugoi, I think. I can imagine why uh, it, it, it ranked. It, it definitely ranked. It was in the top ten for sure. Um, but I can't remember what exact position it had. If it was number one, then okay, cool. Um I didn't really like Dangers in My Heart. Maybe it's not so. Like, maybe it's not so much. I didn't like the, the 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 manga. I think the plot's fine. I just don't like Ishikawa because man, it, it's he's very incelly. It's very very. I mean, like you were saying, of course, that like you know, Edge Lord sees Edge Lord, and you know, can then compare the edginess between the two. But uh, for me. I just felt that the character himself kind of goes a bit too far in terms of his 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 inner thoughts, the demons he tries to to defend. Well, yeah. yeah, it's 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 just it's just like it, it made it kind of hard to read sometimes. It, it may just be the fact that you know whoever uh, you know decided to do the translation uh, for the English version, uh, the use of words was quite strong. In yeah. the same way where you were talking about how, like, you weren't too keen about how uh, Jotaro Kujo called his mom a bitch in season th in, in part three. Yes. I felt a lot of the language that Ishikawa was using, especially when, de especially when describing his classmates, was just – it reminded me a lot of – a lot of really bad – especially in an age as well when um, there's been a lot of terrible things happening across schools – well, yeah, know? yeah, for like, sure. That that's kind of what like brought me like that that that's the kind of imagery and a lot of like anger that it, it brought out of me when reading the thought process behind Ishikawa. But maybe it's because of the fact that I'm using a different context of trying to understand what I'm reading. Clearly, this is you know set in Japan, written by a Japanese mangaka, where you know the cultural differences are cultural differences are stark, right? What they experience as a high school kid is not going to be the same as what a high school kid experiences in America, in Norway, in Finland, in Hong Kong, or wherever, right? Um, so we take that aside. We take Ishikawa aside. I thought the skits, or at least what, what happens chapter to chapter, was fine. It's it's not so like fresh and different from what you expect in terms of a polar opposite high school rom-com. 
I appreciate that there are a couple times where they try and push things a little bit more left field. Um, and uh, other times it's also like, it's very, like, it's very apparent they know full well what the series is, what, what this manga is trying to do. And I honestly don't know how it's going to play out on screen. The one thing I will say, though, is that the, the, the art style, very much like perfect for Shine because it looks exactly the same as Takagi-san's kind of art. Yeah, I think so, too. So just a quick kind of award accolades for Dangers in My Heart. In 2019, ranked fourth in the next manga awards in the web manga category. 2020, the series ranked first in the same category and ranked third in the 2020 Kono Manga Gasugoi Guidebook. It ranked fourth in the Tsutaya Comics Awards. It's just like a shit ton of accolades, clearly, to Clearly be it's honest. popular. It, it's clearly popular, and it's also done well. So it's it's, it's more than backing itself up. Um, the, the work itself, you know, through the awards, it's won. But I don't know, Jason, like, what's your two cents? Do you think that my criticisms of the main character and I guess the kind of flimsy overarching plot um it's too harsh now as someone that is more on the fluffier side of the duo here i have read a lot of rom-coms a wholesome slice of life kind of mangas and watch a lot of animes that are tailored in this genre and i feel that first off usually when it comes to these types of romance kind of uh mangas or animes it takes a little bit to build up, especially when you have to have your shtick, right? And then it slowly it evolves past that point. Now, when it came... So, like, for example, with action shows, right? Right away, it hits the ground running or shit is about to hit the fan with, like, Attack on Titan, the first episode, for example. So, it, it takes a, a bit of time for it to marinate to become something. But I don't really like Dangers in My Heart. I think they really force the really edginess of Ishikawa. I think they tone it down, especially towards the end of the first volume. But in the very beginning, it's like, oh, my razor blades aren't just going to cut these people yeah. apart. And it's just like, you bitch, it's you like, slut, it's like, you dick. It's like, chill, chill, chill. Like, listen, I know I know you feel this way, but maybe like 16 volumes later, you two are going to get together. So maybe not have these thoughts. But look, the kind of polar opposite type of uh, trope is done in so many other pretty well-known shows. I mean, we talked about Teasing Master Takagi-san, Komi Can't Communicate. I mean, I think even Nagatoro-san is also at least one where they're on polar opposites. I mean, You and I Are Polar Opposites is a manga that I thoroughly enjoyed, not Nagatoro-san. I want to be extremely clear on that. So who knows? Maybe it's like, hey, maybe there is something there for you later on that people are like no no no, you have to get to that point yeah exactly like we again we have to repeat we only read volume one so we only know as much as what we've read so far and it it, it could develop to the point where ishikaya has a more fleshed out character like he, he could actually be a lot more wholesome later on and then we start seeing there's closer like romantic collaboration between the two main characters who fucking knows at the moment, though, from what we've seen, and I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one that feels like this. Like you said, if a lot of it feels kind of forced. I think it is a jack of all trades, master of none. Like if I want a, a, an extremely polar opposite type of mentality, I would watch or read Comey Can't Communicate. 
If I want something a bit more playful, teasing Master Takagi-san. If I want something more of the romance side, you and I are polar opposites. I think the prob, or if I want something more incel, incel-ish, right, or more, you know, BDSM type of shit, or just hazing and abuse, I would watch you and you, read yeah. Nakataro-san. But even the, even the comedy side too, like. Uh, what was that series that's coming out right? That's airing right now. The something, some, uh, something sees me as a guy, sees me as a dude. The red-haired girl and her best oh, friend. Oh, Tomochan is yeah, a Tomo-chan, girl. Tomochan, yeah. Oh, Tomochan is a girl. Is not necessarily polar opposites, but in that sense where it's like high school based, like romance comedy. Yeah. Like, you want comedy? That's a good one. But I think that one's a good uh, comparison for this particular point that I'm trying to make, which is Tomochan is a girl. When it first starts off, is very much uh, the shtick of oh, I, I like this guy, but he doesn't like me how I like him, yeah. kind of. He sees me as a dude bro more than as a girl. And they play they play those stereotypes like really, really hard. Like, you know, the, the, the real hardcore dense MC, the real hardcore tomboy. Yeah, and I can tell you for a fact that as the manga progresses, you know, they, they, they flesh out other characters or it becomes less of that trope. So I'm not saying that Ishikawa and Yamada does not have that trope, uh, at, at least like towards like later on in the manga. But what I'm trying to say is that just because it has all the ingredients to make a good type of rom-com does not mean that it ends up being a good type of rom-com. And that's what I don't like. And it seems like Will and I are bashing on it. I think it's just a very good seven. Yeah, I, I I agree when you were talking about the whole ingredients thing because I think one of the things that's missing from Dangerous of My Heart and it may just actually they might start adding this ingredient later on, the lack of good supporting characters. There's no memorable character beyond Ishikawa and Yamada, other than you know Yamada's best friend who is like a short girl and doesn't have as voluptuous a body as compared to Yamada. So that's like, again, in itself, a polar opposite between two friends. But outside of that, like nobody really has any memorable actions or stories in in, in, in at least the first volume of the story. They're literally background characters to, in my mind. And But one thing I would say that has maybe stands out a bit more than other rom-coms of this sort is the tone and the language. So without going too much into detail these middle schoolers, because it takes place in middle school, not in high school, uh, they uh, they talk about a lot of things that I would think a lot yeah. of Western, yeah. actually. Maybe, maybe uh, who knows? I've, I didn't grow up in Japan, so I don't know. It's a lot of, like, curiosity, innuendo, will they, won't they. Hey, uh, if, if, if I do this, I'm able to tell your blood type kind of shit and then the girl or the guy would be like oh no really oh i want to try it out it's it's that kind of you know nonchalant fucking curiosity that you a middle schooler probably would experience also they imply a lot of sexual shit the innuendos are exactly fucking heavy in this one and then the other thing that i don't like is yamada is kind of an airhead but not like a lovable airhead more like uh what the fuck kind of airhead like how could you not see this? Or or maybe... It ain't, it ain't no dress-up darling airhead level. Exactly. And maybe Yamada is conscious of this, but you don't really know until later on when, you know, maybe she sheds more of her skin. And, and that's a part that I think we have yet to see because there are a couple chapters, a couple panels where it's like you kind of see the opposite side of Yamada where it's like 
Ishikawa like imagines her as this wonderful, can't do wrong, absolutely perfect angel that he must kill. But then there are parts where like she starts showing vulnerability. She shows shows some sensitivity, and I think that's kind of what I'm waiting to see. Because from this point on, I think it can only go up. I agree that it is like a a week seven, but that only means like do like one volume. Especially how short the chapters are. Yeah, I think it only really covers like four, maybe five episodes. Maybe yeah, yeah, less. roughly. Maybe, yeah, maybe give or take. Less. Yeah. And I think the thing that I, I quite like about Ichikawa, despite not liking pretty much a lot of Ichikawa, is his monologue is kind of on point and kind of funny, and uh, that is all actually like not a great like it's not a huge plus, but it's a plus. The other thing I like is. The edginess really tapers off somewhere in the middle of volume one. And he you just slowly start to see, oh, he's actually a decent person. And right. he just wants to do good, even though he doesn't like or he loathes the popular girl or like like you know, like or or like jealousy. Yeah, he has he has a quite like a defeatist kind of mentality where he's just like, you know what, like this is the way things are. Everything's against me. I gotta like there's I gotta do things for myself. Nobody's here to help me. But then like there's a moment where like he has to decide if he wants to help somebody. He ends up actually helping that person. Then like ah, there's already that conflict of consciousness within this person of of conscience yeah. in this person. And so far, it doesn't seem like Ichikawa has that type of mentality where, oh, I'm going to do this good gesture so I can cash in this favor later. He just does it just because he wants to or he feels the need to do so. And there were like the beginning parts of, oh, maybe I am not an edgelord or I force myself to be an edgelord. And unfortunately, within the first volume at least, I only see a bit of that, but not enough to convince me. And now let's talk about uh, – is there anything you want to wrap up about the manga, Will? Yeah, I, I think like in terms of if, if you're going to be an edgy little brat, like just stay being an edgy little brat. But at the same time, having seen the edginess of Ishikawa, I don't really vibe with it. I feel it's just unnecessary. Yeah, there, I, there's there's no there's no substance to the edginess. I thought if he was a loner, and there was no edginess in there, I think it would have actually been better because the edginess is so off-putting for me in the very very beginning. That if that was the way that you're gonna go all the way, then sure. This like, you change a couple characters, you change you change a couple outcomes of what happens in the first volume, could easily make this a seinen. Yes. Right? You can make this a real, like, psycho thriller if you really wanted to. But because it's a middle school rom-com, it, it feels kind of out of place. But, again, this this is just, like, an, an early impression of Dangers of My Heart. It could play out completely differently. Um, I'm still going to watch it. Yeah, I think it will be a low 7 or, like, a mid, like, a 7.3 in my mind, I think, in the anime uh, and, and just to reiterate as well, this is not—we're not talking about this series specifically because we really want to check it out. It's more also the fact that there's been a lot of discussion online about this particular series, and we kind of just wanted to get to the bottom of it and yeah. figure out. Like, like, we want to know for ourselves, and if it's good or bad, we want to let you know about it. But I think if yeah, the first volume is about three to four episodes, which it usually is, right? Well, yeah. um, I, I think like more often than not, like. 
three volumes is like the way to go in terms of trying to condense 12, 13 episodes, at least you know for your first season. I think it's going to be tough because three or four episodes, assuming that it gets to the point where all these accolades come into effect, it's going to be tough to keep that momentum, especially when people get off put by the couple of episodes, unless yeah. if you are a manga reader. I'm pretty sure like second volume, third volume, there will be overarching stories rather than like oh so and so goes to see the school nurse because they got injured or so and so needs help with homework or so and so tries to you know perv on girls or girls are talking shit about guys it'll probably be a little bit more developed in terms of like overarching plot but i guess we'll just just wait and see i yeah i'm i'm still gonna watch it i don't know if i'll finish it but you never fucking know. I do think the teaser trailer, it looks clean, is what I would say. I think it's very Master Takagi-san type of look and feel. So, at the very least, I think aesthetically it is going to look good. But whether or not it becomes a very good or great anime, I am not so sure. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, it's also like not super comforting to know that the sound director for this series only has uh, three prior series under their belt. Well, though, to be fair, one of them was um, actually uh, those Snow White notes. Yeah, but that Shamisen is pretty good, though. Yeah, as I'm saying. So the, uh, they also did a couple of cuckoos. Yeah, that one was all right. So, I mean, who knows, right? We'll, 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 we'll report in. Probably the, our next manga that we're going to talk about. Oh boy, yeah. Is I anticipate is probably going to be top three or top four okay. anime of next season. In in terms of not being a sequel, right? So we're we're not we're not talking about Demon Slayer. We're not talking about Doctor Stowe. We're not talking about Tony Kawa. Hell's Paradise or Jigokuraku is the most highly anticipated upcoming anime for spring 2023 yeah and for good reason too yeah and even then afterwards it's the you know the konosuba um off story right um focused on not not, not, uh, not megumin. megumin yeah so hell's paradise we're just we're, just, we're gonna go by hell's paradise we're gonna say Jigokuraku. yeah we're just gonna, yeah we're just gonna say hell's paradise uh written and illustrated by yuji kaku the former assistant to Tatsuki Fujimoto. Do you really need to know who that is? Okay, Chainsaw Man, blah, 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 blah. Fire Punch, blah, 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 blah. Goodbye, Airy. Okay. We love the guy. We love the guy. We, like, legitimately do. Uh, serialized weekly for free on Shonen Jump Plus and on uh, from January 22nd to January 25th. Because guess what, guys? It's completed with 13 volumes, 127 chapters, published in English by Viz Media on Jump Plus Manga Plus. Has a manga mouse score of eight point two seven, fucking phenomenal. That's not that's not the phenomenal part. I know. Rank three eighteen. But are you ready for this, guys? Popularity ninety seven. So for a series that came out not that long ago, only three, no, f- five years ago, over a three year span, hundred twenty seven chapters. It's in the top 100 most popular manga series of all time on the platform. And then you grab. Probably the hottest animation studio right now when it comes to shonen action. You get the JJK animation studio. You get the AOT final season. 
you get Mappa. You get Chainsaw Man right now as well. Yeah, I, I didn't want to mention that because it was obvious. Because yeah. Fujimoto, right? Yeah, I know, of course. The, I mean, the link is there. I know, 100%. So uh, it ain't a lie or a joke, but it is releasing on April 1st, 2023. Yeah, perfect date for it to release. Uh, it better not bomb because holy crap. I don't think it will. Yeah. I don't but, think it can actually quick little summary uh focuses on a uh a man named uh gabimaru the hollow uh, a seemingly immortal samurai uh that is sentenced to be executed but shit don't kill him man fire boiling oil a uh, boiling oil blades to the head even being uh hung drawn and quartered which is a very terrible way to go so what do you do in that situation well the, the shogun or the shogunate is like, yo, I'm just going to grab you. Is that how you pronounce it? I thought it was just shogunate. I don't know. I I, I mean. I'm, shogunate? I'm, yeah. Yeah, sure. The, 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 the lord, the dude. The shogun. The shogun, not the shotgun, decides to be like, hey, you know what? I can't kill you. And there are all these other pieces of shit criminals that we also want to get rid of. But I, I don't know what to do. Hey, isn't there an island where... There's the elixir of life and Wait, immortality. There's a there's an elixir. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that yeah oh, yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. we had gone on these missions before and it's like you know the fountain of youth. But then like every thing. time we go there, like our men don't come back. So you know what? We're trying to kill you anyway. So how about this? In exchange for a pardon for all your crimes, you go to this this death island. Right, but how can you control or? monitor all these criminals yeah i mean this is like feudal japan they ain't right? got no bluetooth trackers they don't have air tags and shit well, yeah what happens if uh we they release take you the, yeah they, yeah what happens if they take the elixir for themselves you know why not and you just decide you know what we were just letting all these like murderous fucking like serial killers run run the wild well we're gonna assign you a top level highest tier sss plus tier executioner as your partner Handler, basically, yeah. yeah. And if you make any wrong moves, these are the best people in taking you out. So don't pull any bullshit. And uh, it talks about them going to the island. Shit happens. Uh, Bad stuff happens. Good stuff happens. Mostly just action-y stuff and bloody stuff happens. And that is essentially Hell's Paradise in a Nutshell. My thoughts on this, Will, is very, very simple. It's going to be good. It's going to be above average good. Not JJK, AOT, maybe Chainsaw Man good, but it's going to be good. I like the action parts of uh, Hell's Paradise. I think there is a lot of stuff that is like in the ingredients to make it a very crowd-pleasing anime. Let's, let's start with like this then, right? So Jujutsu Kaisen came out. Like, how hyped were you? Maybe not before watching it, but when you were watching it. Like, it, it's 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 up there, right? It, of course, it's very typical shonen, but holy crap, we enjoyed the fuck out of watching it. Chainsaw Man comes out after that. And yeah, we haven't really got that much into the anime, but holy fuck, we were really on the manga train for it. Read, read every single chapter and still like trying to keep up with part two of Chainsaw Man. Uh, 
emphasis on trying. Yeah. But 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 but, but I've read quite a bit of it. Yeah. So then now it's like you got JJK, you got Chainsaw Man. You also have AOT in your back pocket. But AOT like doesn't have that kind of connect- outside of the map connection, right? Yeah, true, true. So then now you've got this fucking like super ent- 110,000 members on the on, on, uh, waiting to watch this shit, right? I feel like it is I agree with you as well that it may not be as good, but I think it's because we're reaching that shonen plateau. We're reaching that point where like it can't possibly be any better than this, right? We had we we, we fucking had Demon Slayer a couple years before that, and they're releasing part three. Or if you include you if you include the the movie turn TV series, then part four. Um, yeah, no, I think Hell's Paradise is gonna fucking kill it this year, this season. It's 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 gonna be super popular, and the reasons are like Jason said, simple. Because it hits every single typical shonen trope that makes everybody like shonen in the first place. You got a brooding, fucking edgy, seemingly overpowered, but has a soft spot main character in Gabi Maru and has a reason to live will then has you, a reason to go back then you have the perfect foil in this silent but extremely deadly executioner in Yamada Asagiri uh Sagiri uh who okay let's just say it out there um they make her look really fucking hot so yeah Kudure Central Kudure Red Alert right then you get like the you, you then you get like the nerd you then get the hot uh, Kunoichi, and then you get like a big badass, like large ass dude. You yeah. get like the small, like little chibi kind of guy. You get like a kind of like cannibalistic, supposedly yandere s kind of character. Like it's all over the map in the sense that it is an eclectic group of characters all trying to get to the eye on the prize, which is a pardon by getting the elixir of life perfect for a shonen series so with all those ingredients put together it's going to work now are we excited for hell's paradise no it's hard to say we are because it's again it's just same shit but different version that's all it is i think i'm not excited to watch it but i'm gonna thoroughly be entertained you you know it will be good i know it will be good i mean mappa has it on lock honestly with the with the the promotional footage and everything there's just no way it could go that drastically bad again like don't take what we said before about us not being excited for it as bashing on the series far from it you know that if something's already really really good you don't need to be excited you just wait for the shit to come out watch it and then you know share your two cents it will most likely be an eight or a nine for for me right i don't think it'll go any lower than an eight yeah, I don't think so either, unless if it really, like, drops the ball on it. Which it really shouldn't. With the people that are working behind the scenes for this series, this cannot fail. I think, like, once you find that good shonen series, you throw MAPPA on there immediately. Yeah. And you're guaranteed to have a minimum eight. And I think the thing is that it is completed. Like, finito. Finished, right? Yeah. Just like Demon Slayer is now finished for a while now. There is only so much that can be made and adapted. Of course, you can technically do like anime originals or spinoffs, but the fact that the manga has so much pedigree behind it indicates to me that they are definitely not going to stray too far off from the manga adaptation 
Oh, that's the anime adaptation of the manga. Uh, and the and the best part as well is like people are going to be thinking, well, you know, like most of the time anime is done as a you know advertising vehicle to be able to push manga sales and so if it's already finished then what's the point pushing it uh well, demon slayer says hello yeah and of course like demon slayer is not liar in this case because of the fact that when it was being adapted it was still ongoing but then like shortly afterwards that's when they wrapped up the final chapter cool right but in the case of oh actually you know what chainsaw man right if we just look at park one all of it's already done but they're still going to be doing the whole damn thing because popularity getting eyes on the screen that's the most important thing because once you get visibility once you get people talking about your shit you can start promoting all your other products too not to mention as well 127 chapters is really not that much i think it's like four curves like 50 episodes i they i think there was a leak somewhere saying that this uh season is going to be 14 episodes now whether or not it does only be 14 or is 14 plus sequel or part two or it whatever. Could also, it could also be that April 1st is an episode zero. You never know. You never know. But one thing I do want to emphasize is, uh, especially earlier on in uh, the manga, is the aesthetics of the Hell's Paradise, the, the island itself. And I think one of the more memorable images of the manga, and I they, they also use it a lot in the trailer footage, is a skull or like a body with flowers growing out of it uh, on their way to the island. I don't really think that's a very big spoiler or any spoiler, really. But uh, it is one of those images that really stuck with me that I thought was a very good summation of how I feel about the manga in that it is pretty to look at. It is probably going to be very deadly, but it's going to be very good. But don't stare too much. Don't look at it too hard because besides like looking at it on a surface level there ain't gonna be that ain't that deep son is what i'm trying to say yeah one thing i'm very interested to see is uh the performance of uh yamada the the executioner in terms of the voice actress uh because it's a uh, yumidi uh hanamori who is the voice for nareshiko from uh Yuru camp so to have someone that is so light and fluffy and cute and wholesome to now becoming a cold-blooded Kudere executioner. Granted, a lot of her other roles before were also like encapsulating a lot of Kudere-esque quiet type characters. But I think for me, it's like the most profound, like the most prominent um, performance she's done for me was Nareshiko. So it would be very interesting Not to see. sama She plays I. Yeah. So that's where it's like, which... like. How is this going to play out? I have no doubt that she's going to do well. And in fact, the voice cast is great. Yeah. So I have no problem with how they're going about it. Again, it's fucking Oh, wait, on. wait. Shit. Will, we forgot our uh, ongoing ASAP segment within a segment, uh, the Maya Sakamoto and Kanahana. Oh, Maya Sakamoto would have been perfect as fucking Yamada. But hey, look. Wait, I what think- about Dangers in My Heart? Do you think... Um- yeah? Mm, maybe. What, Kanahana as... As Yamada? Yeah. I mean, that's the easiest one, right? Possibly. Actually, you know what? Yeah. Possibly. That's actually a good shout. It's funny that both of them are called Yamada. But yeah. hey, look. We, we, we didn't write the names. So where do we stand with Hell's Paradise? We stand still. 
in the sense that you know we're we're not rushing to the gate and saying that oh please give us Fell's fucking paradise right fucking now, but because more, it's in a parking lot, right? Yeah, it's just it's just there, you know, on standby, uh, waiting for April first to roll by, and then we can go and see. But um, I don't know, I I will probably watch it, but no, I'm definitely gonna I would, watch it. But it's also one of those I'm gonna take my time to finish it, right? Yeah, I, th- I I think that's a very solid like review of your thoughts and as well as mine, really, of Hell's Paradise. People are going to nonstop, probably going to talk about it. That is a non-sequel, basically. This is the only non-sequel, maybe I, other than Hoshinoko, that I just think is just going to be the talk of the town for uh, the spring season. So, then we get into... Uh, a manga that I have read a lot and I love a lot. Uh, spoiler alert for how I feel about it. It is none other than Skip and Loafer. Yeah, I, I'm actually very happy that we're finally talking about Skip and Loafer. But as usual, some background information. Written and illustrated by Misaki Takamatsu. Serialized in Kodansha's monthly afternoon and published by Seven Seas Entertainment. Manga itself ranks number seven for manga for male readers in the 2020 edition of Kono Manga Gasugoi, uh, and was also nominated for a bunch of other awards. Did very very well. Now, this is the uh, the crazy part. Despite not being super popular, only eleven, uh, only like one thousand and hundred eighty one. The raw score for the manga is an eight point three nine, putting it in the top three hundred. On the My Anime List manga database, it is to be produced by PA Works, who have done Buddy Daddies, Your Boy Kong Ming, Shirabako, and should be coming out April fourth, twenty twenty-three. All right, Skip and Loafer is—I don't even know how to say it. Okay, there's it's... one. There's one thing I I, I got to say first. Okay, let, let's hear it. Let's hear it first. There's not enough people getting hyped about this show there are only 18,000 18,000 members on the anime list for the anime right manga we already talked about the score the popularity and i understand why there's not as many people following it on the anime because it's not super super popular Uh, but six volumes of it is already out in english so but but people need to get on this shit Skip and Lover is really, really fucking good. All right. So Mitsumi is your typical country bumpkin that arrives in the big city. Uh, bumpkin? She's, she's definitely a hillbilly, but she ain't no hillbilly in the sense that, you know, dude, girl's got a, girl's got a brain. Yeah. Girl, girl's smart as shit. But in terms of, like, social norms, manners... Street smarts. Nah, she ain't got any of that. She's kind of a ditzy kind of girl, but she is very naive, but also just very plain and just straight with a lot of things. Then, okay, okay. Then you arrive in the big city. You're like, oh, I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm so hyped. Oh, she, look at all this. She's the kind of person where like she can spend five minutes, ex- <clears throat> five minutes explaining like quantum theory to you, but doesn't know how to boil water. Oh, yeah, I can totally buy that. Yeah. But you know what she can't also do is be on time for uh, the first day of class. 
typical opening for these kinds of you know shows, these kinds of manga again. But and she bumps into yeah. probably the pretty boy, the Shima Sosuke of um, you know the this kind of aloof, shaggy looking motherfucker, blonde hair. Like, hey, I'm just chill. I'm a surfer dude, bro. And oh, uh, oh, dude, sorry. I guess I'm late. You know what? If I'm late, uh, I guess I won't go then, bro. I'm so sorry about that. And then they both kind of get uh, to the school on time, albeit a bit late. And then, I'm uh, sorry, on time and albeit a bit late is actually like. No, they, they, they go in just at the end of like, like when the, the first part. when the gate closes, right? Yeah. Okay, so they just and, made and, and it. They were lucky because apparently the teacher said that, oh, dude, totally fine. We had someone stand in for you. Okay, cool. That was a very nice way to start off the whole story of Skip and Loafer because. As, as we were talking about with the dangers of my heart and how characters played their their profile, their stereotype to the extreme, and it doesn't necessarily work out that well for us. Skip and Loafer, it it does it perfectly. the 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 aloof but very very book smart main character, complemented with a amazingly handsome, supposedly dim witted, but actually is quite sharp male character I, I i fucking love this series man when someone you know asks me about what i feel about a romance shoujo series and what differentiates something that is good or or all right versus something that is great i always use the cake analogy and that is that when you have different aspects of the shoujo series, whether it is, you know, the 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 soft, gooey, like creamy center, or you have like the 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 dough, the or foundation, the of foundation, the, of the, of the cake, exactly, or whether it is the strawberry and the icing on the top, how all the icing comes together, how it looks, and then the presentation afterwards with the additional contremans with the strawberries and all the different fruits, maybe a little bit of icing on top to decorate it and whatnot. The supporting cast, essentially, that's my argument, is that. The supporting cast is generally the thing that makes or breaks good versus great rom romantic comedies or shoujo series. Yeah, and while it didn't work, at least from what we saw in Dangers in My Heart, it is done to perfection and skip and loafer. And there is no crazy melodrama that a lot of uh, shoujo series is aware of. Is not. Their crazy slapstick or in-your-face type thing is very minimalist and very subtle, very quiet type of thing. Even and, moments of conflict are like done in a very muted way, but you can feel the way normal. You, here's the thing: when you read it, it's like they play it out so chill, but you can feel the weight of like how heavy a character feels when they're on the wrong side of a conflict. Yeah, and they don't publicize a lot of things that I guess a lot of typical things where they would accentuate. For example. Uh, the main female character, her aunt, Nao-chan, is a transgender person. And they don't really talk too much about it. Uh, they, I think they might mention offhand, like, oh, don't forget to let your friends know that your aunt, even though biologically is a guy, technically call me aunt. And they just gloss over that and focuses on the fact that Nao-chan, the aunt, is... Just this really 
fun, happy, supportive, supportive character towards uh uh what what was shit? I forgot her name again. Mi, 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 uh, uh, Mitsumi. Mitsumi, right? Iwaku. Yep. Ah, then you get like the Kudere, the popular hot girl that is kind of like the female version of uh the pretty boy, uh Shima, right? And you would think like, oh, I know, I can I can, I can see this coming from a mile away. Oh, there is the nerdy girl. Yeah. Immediately, you get the girl. It's like, oh, this is this is the rival. This is yeah. the, this is the the romance rival here in this love polygon kind of thing. And then it really just very very quickly does not become any of that, and becomes this kind of thing where it's just mature people dealing with mature issues. Not everything is as it seems, and even if it is. Let's just talk it out. Let's sort it out. And it's just such a good time. I think it's also like perfectly apt that like this is a, sl- a slice of life seinen, right? Like you said, it deals with mature topics. It deals with more serious aspects of growing up as a teenager, navigating your life through high school. And the, the, the most troubling part that a lot of people go through, making friends. Yeah. And there is no like, hey, oh, sometimes usually in shoujo, there, if there is an equal amount of girls and an equal amount of guys in this kind of entourage, you can bet money that one is going to be paired up with another. But here, minus the rival... It's more ambiguous, yeah, for sure. And it's he- a lot more fluid in terms of how the characters interact with one another. And I, I really like that. You don't... Like, would you already set your sights on, oh, this person and that person, bang. This person, that person, bang. Like, once you already have your preconceived idea of how character relationships are going to be built, you then get lulled into a sense of, like, false security. Especially when it doesn't happen, you're like, you feel let down. Here, they leave it all out in the open. You don't know if that character is going to get on with that character. You don't know if this character is going to fall in love with that character. You can sort of see a couple of pieces moving on the board, but you don't know what the end result will be. And I think one of the things that really uh, separates Skip and Loafer from a lot, and I mean a lot of shoujo series, is female friends and companionship. Of course, you can say as a rom-com kind of comedy, slice of life, seinen, there's going to be love you know, rivals or just a love story. But they also focus a, a large amount of time on the female characters to the point where the male characters are kind of a whatever thing. Like, they're there. They're obviously important, especially with the male main character. They act as foils, though. They, yeah. are, they, they are not the, the center of attention. And I, I really like the whole... It, it's, it feels just so organic, you know? The fact that everything happens and you're like, oh, yeah, that's believable. Oh, yeah. Or, or sometimes Mitsui is, is like, hey, why can't we be friends? And then they're like, no, because of this X, Y, and Z. And they're like, why is that a problem? And then they were like, you're right. You're right. That, that, that's, that's not a problem. Yeah, and they I, still... I, I yeah. guess we can be... F- oh, oh, my God. I guess we can be friends. Yeah, uh, wait. Or, or like the typical you're, thing of like, we're not... You're so smart. You're so like ambitious. And I'm so dumb and useless. There's no way we can be friends. It's like, why does that matter? Wait, it, aren't, wait, aren't uh, we friends already? That it, kind of thing, right? It, um, good point. Oh, you're right. right? Yeah, 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 that's a good point. All right, cool story, bro. Yeah. And I think like, for sure it's a very idealized way of seeing characters deal with social anxiety, dealing with self-doubt, 
depression, uh, just feeling that they don't fit in society. And of course, it's like when you read this, like, nah, this is way too perfect. There's no way this could happen. Yeah, but the I thing agree. Is, but the way, but the way that it portrays itself is like, yeah, there's no way it happens, but it totally could happen. And that's why you feel comfortable reading this because it deals with a lot of stuff that I'm sure you both and I, you, we both have experienced in our middle school lives, in our high school lives. And hey, I, I, I'm Mr. Perfect. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Oh well, I should take a book out of your take a, take a leaf out of your book then. So the thing here though is like when you're when you're watching and you're reading this, and I hope it translates it onto screen as well. PA Works is going to definitely do a good job with it, too. Yeah, so PA Works, sorry to cut you off, Will. I think PA Works is almost, I think Kyo Annie, which I think a lot of people might latch on to, be like, oh, this is the perfect animation studio. I would, I would actually argue no. I think PA Works adds more to the slice of life part, but has bits and pieces of like Aquatope on the white sand. This one is a bit more like left field slice of life because it yes. tackles issues in a way that most slice of life wouldn't have done, right? Or just ever so slightly, right? Or has, if, has anyone shed any tears from what we've seen? Maybe, maybe on the inside, but if you don't show it on the outside, and they deal with the matter head on rather than letting it fester with it and then reach a breaking point and then you have a whole chapter dedicated to fixing this person's problems. It's more like they realize there's a problem, someone presents it, and as a group, they all experience that problem together and find out, Hey, actually, that's not a problem. I'm chill with you, bro. Hey, it, girl, like you can't be mad at me because I'm not mad at you. Of oh, course, they, yeah. there's still like dramatic elements in there. I mean, but it is just a very mature way of looking at things, a very sane and way of looking at things that it just it, and also despite going over some very serious and very personal issues, it's such an easy breezy read like there is one character that is like very very similar in the way that they view other people as like ishikawa you mm-hmm, know what i'm talking mm-hmm, about right mm-hmm. but the way that she then like breaks down her thought process through the help of you know her newfound friends it it just de-escalates so quick and yeah. she's not she, she hasn't she's definitely not out of her comfort zone yet far from it she's still like taking many many steps to be able to get to a comfort level where she can fully say out loud yes you are my friends i am your friend uh but you can tell that the steps are taken she's she's definitely slowly breaking out of her shell and accepting people beyond her her her, her preconceived stereotypes of those people i'm so happy that we are going to see the anime adaptation in weeks so far i think it's like in terms of the the pairing of the property and the production studio that's doing it they've all matched up pretty well right dangers in my heart with shitty animation jigoku raku or hell's paradise with mappa and now this right skip and loafer with pa works I, i think these pairings are perfect the only thing that i am slightly worried about is if pacing yeah, and the tone. I'm not I think PA works with their repertoire has a lot of it instills a lot of faith in me, right? But I think when it when you see Skip and Loafer and it being a quite especially the art is very quiet, no, I, I very minimalistic. It is it puts more emphasis on how you convey uh the words that you say or convey I mean, I talked about... Um, You're going to need good music. You're going to mm-hmm. need like, good I think use music. of silence. You need to be able to ha- pull off really good voice acting. And, of course, like 
no shit, right? No shit. When I was reading the manga, in my mind, I was like, this reads very well. Of course, I'm reading it. But that's the thing. In terms of it reading, it, it feels like it's perfect as a medium for reading and consuming. But when you have to put it in a audiovisual format, when it's out of your control in terms of how you want to envision characters, how you control the pace, how you feel the tone's going to be set. Yeah. I mean, you can turn back and forth, like read pages back and forth, or if you want to be a savage like Will, like fast forward or slow down. I read five panels at a time, dude. What are you yeah, talking about? I guess so, right? But uh, this is the one where same thing with Oshinoko that's airing in the spring that I am the most worried about in terms of getting the feel right. But if it does, and I think they have all the stuff needed to make it an outstanding anime, there's a very good chance, Will, that we would be talking about this not only for our own uh, GAP finale awards, but just, hey, um, Will, Jason, uh, I kind of want to watch something a bit chilled, a bit laid back. Uh, do you have any uh, cool anime to recommend? I would probably say, hopefully, I will say Skip and Loafer. Yeah, I think that in terms of like the, the backroom staff, we're, we're, we're going to be fine. Because, okay, look, the director... Uh, Kotomi uh, Dei previously worked on SAO, Samurai Champloo, in, 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 in different capacities. Not that he was a full-on director for those, but he might have worked on like series compositions. He might have worked on storyboarding. Uh, but he also did uh, My Little Monster. He did uh, From Me to You. Um, he also did um, uh, Ancient Magus' Bride. So, hey, uh, I know, I know that, I know that manga, I know that show. So this person has got a pretty good portfolio in terms of being able to work on good stories then you got the sound director who was previously working on uh oh, actually he was a sound director for uh made in the abyss uh he wasn't the composer but he was at least the one who guided how the sound would be created uh also worked on garden of words he, I mean, he's very he's, silent he shows he also garden of words, exactly yeah. he also did uh uh your name uh weathering with you i mean he's shinkai's guy he's shinkai's boy all right um i'm just really happy with skip and loafer and i hope i have nothing but good things to say about the anime adaptation i think the people they have in place are like perfect they'll have the right tone at least from an audio perspective it should be fine the main thing then like i think we're we'll agree on is how how they'll pace the show because if it's too slow then you'll be like yeah no it reads better as a manga but if you do too fast then it's kind of you know speeds it, up interactions it doesn't have as much of an impact on you yeah so rather be, than a marathon it's a sprint yeah they have to be very like careful with how they time the different uh plot beats and character interactions but i'm i'm very optimistic of of the four well okay of the three we've talked about so far this is the one i am looking forward to the most okay so it went from like a zero to a hero type of scenario because i didn't know shit about skip right Lover, to be right? fair yeah and so it was it wasn't so much that like i went in thinking i was gonna oh, i'm gonna hate this shit this looks dumb i'm not gonna give a you just fuck didn't about know it. what you were expecting exactly right? but i knew what i was gonna be expecting from just looking at the cover for uh hell's paradise yeah, i true. knew like what to expect when reading the synopsis of the dangers in my heart just a smile on my face as I'm reading Skip and Loafer. Even if what they were talking about is heavy, I'm just like smiling and just being like, this is going to be great. It's good. Yeah. And of course, like very, very, very early on. But um, yeah, no, I think that's uh, Mitsukawa. Uh, no, no, no. Her name is Mitsumi. 
uh, Iwakura. Uh, high chance you can make an appearance on the GAP finale awards. I'm pretty pretty hot on her so far. I, I really like her character. I think like it, it's it's refreshing to see a character that is very much like laid bare to see what kind of person she is. She's and- very clearly someone who doesn't know how to read a map, doesn't know how to be on time, has lived a life where she only really knew eight people her whole life but outside of her so family. But she is so down to earth and so honest that at some point when you are surrounded by you know, the urban city lifestyle where people are usually superficial or put up layers or masks, you can't help but feel trusting or you can't help but be like, why do I have to hide, especially of all people, you, right? Most non-judgmental character so far from what we've read of these three manga, soon-to-be anime adaptations, I highly anticipate April 4th when this series drops. I'm really looking forward to it. Now, to round out our four ASAP2 picks comes the only anime that is not releasing in spring 2023, but currently has a slated 2023 uh, release date. This is none other than Dungeon Meshi, known as Delicious in Dungeon. Written and illustrated by Ryuko Ko. Uh, the series is serialized in Enterbrain's Harta magazine and published in English by Yen Press with 11 volumes currently released. So, some stats, and these are mind-blowing stats too. Uh, currently has a MAL score of 8.35 for the manga. 3.6 now. 3.6 now, I it, guess. It, it went up overnight. I see. Uh, ranked 232, popularity 307. So not only highly ranked, but highly, highly popular as well. And if you thought, hey, so this is a very highly ranked and highly popular manga, who should we get to adapt it? Well, guys, um, have you heard of Cyberpunk Edgerunners? Have you heard of Little Witch Academia? Yeah, this is the part where I was talking about how the previous series had the perfect production studio behind it. Um, this one is a very interesting pairing. and I don't really know what to expect uh, behind Trigger. So Studio Trigger is slated to uh, produce this anime for 2023. Uh, Storyline is extremely simple. Uh, dude is a knight of sorts, a warrior, and him and his party have a bit of, a bit of a kerfuffle in a dungeon in the very, very beginning, and then go down towards the dungeon. They're like, "Hey, oh no, we've just lost a party member. Are they dead? No, but her death is coming soon. We gotta do something about it." Okay, okay, okay. Uh, what do we have? We got we got armor. We got some money. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. Well, 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 well. Before we do that, though, can we just like chill and eat I, some food? I, I, I'm hungry. I, I mean, I haven't yeah, eaten in like that's, that's a good point. In, like, hours. I think that's a good point. What, what, what are you talking about? Why are you, why, why are you talking about eating food right now? It's like, well, if you don't eat, then you'll you know get hungry. You'll get fatigued. You won't be able to perform well. Uh, you, I mean, you're 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 a, a magician. You need you need magic to be able to do stuff. You can't you can't cast magic when yeah, you're that, hungry. Yeah, that's correct. I'm David Copperfield. I can saw a woman in half. Yeah, and- but you can't go. You know a whole dungeon run without eating any food, right? Uh, Delicious in Dungeon is probably one of the very few shows where we have heard a lot... I'm sorry, not shows, mangas that we have heard a lot, a lot about. Will and I have it on our radar forever. And surprisingly, it got an anime adaptation. 
announced, and then we just thought, hey, let's just pull the trigger on it. Get it? Yeah. And I mean, we also, we, we, well, we didn't know that, you know, until we found out, you know, later on that Trigger was also attached to the series, too. Yeah, um, I also produced a commercial for them for yeah, one there was, of their... Yeah, there, there, there was a PV for it. I watched it. It was kind of dope. But, okay. Um... I agree with you, Will, and that I am the most unsure about this one. I think if it weren't for Little Witch Academia being out for like in terms of Studio Trigger's catalog, it was a really weird pick. But I also, based off of watching that 30-second commercial, I can kind of see it. Yeah. I think because reading it, okay, like when, when we talk about Studio Trigger, a lot of words just come to describe it, right? Like, Colorful, bombastic, fast-paced, action, fucking ridiculous, crazy, a lot of nudity. But so far from what we've read in Dungeon and Meshi, it's none of that. But zero. That, but well, not, not zero. But that's not a bad thing either. Yes. Because holy crap, reading it, like I, I knew that I was going to enjoy it at some point. Um, look, the the central theme is food. Do you like food, Will? I mean, the fact that it's a comedy fantasy, comedy fantasy gourmet manga series, I I'm, I'm down. I like that each chapter was named after a, a dish, dish, except yeah. for some. But then I think those are because they're, they're major plot points. But I, I liked it. I liked that they broke down like <laughs> nutrition in in, in this so as well, this which is, is which is very overlooked actually. So here is the best thing and the craziest thing i can say about dungeon meshi known as delicious in dungeon there is no reason absolutely no reason especially when there are like other gourmet even like was it campfire cooking right now as airing right now as we speak there is no reason for delicious in dungeon to really go crazy in depth into how someone would eat monster dungeon food like 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 kill a dungeon creatures and eat them for food how to prepare them how does the physiology work how does all of that stuff the whole world building in delicious and dungeon to me is the main character is the central character of course you get the party members and they do have their time to shine but really they go they go so in depth into how you would take care of uh you know prepping um a monster how you would kill them for example how you would cook them i mean the main male character has like this little like book with like post-it notes and all these like tabs do you even remember the main character's name nope leos and then there's uh marcel yeah i know Chilchuk. yeah and then the the dwarf senshi yeah but does it matter if you know their names no no right because the because the story itself is like you said the main fucking character like the first chapter, they mention like a slime and how you would eat it, how you would dry it, the how physiology would... of a slime as well. It boggles my mind. They made fruit roll up with a slime. Like, how in the fuck do you go to that level of detail? But I'm telling you. So when I first read the the, the when, <coughs> when I read the first chapter as well, and it and it said like. Nabe or hot pot. I was like, oh, okay, cool. All right, this is All right, awesome. They're just going to like cut a couple of like Wait, vegetables or whatever. What are they cooking? What are they using as the main ingredient? It's like you would think even the main character, like Marcel, she's like, why don't we just eat pork? Why don't we just eat normal food? And then Senshi comes up and it's like, 
Disgusting. Eating pork. There's no nutrition in that. Let me show you what's up. And then pulls out a fucking, like, mystical fruit, which, like, looks kind of normal. But then Marcel sees it and is like, Ew! We're eating that? What's wrong with you? And the dwarf's just like, Because it's packed with nutrients, man. Like, you're running through this dungeon trying to take out a dragon. You, you, he even says too. It's like all these, all these like, like travel men and all these journeys go all on. You plebs, all yeah. you gourmet plebs. All the, all they eat is meat, but what you need are fruits and vegetables. A balanced diet is necessary to conquer this dungeon, and that's just like, you big brain exploding moment because, and, like you said, right? There's campfire cooking. There's all these other gourmet shows. None of them ever address nutritional value, and you think. Why anyone would fucking care? Fucking when they when they finish making a dish, they have a little like what do you call like web chart? Yeah, they, they have, like, they have nutri- a pie chart of like this is how much protein there is, this is how much calcium there is in here, all the oh. list of ingredients, oh, how to cook yeah. them and all. It's like pinch, uh, like no salt, a pinch, slime, a lot, or something like dumb like that, but in a way that it's comedic. And then the next episode, I'm just gonna say, involves making a tart. And you're just like, how in the fuck are they going to make a tart? They kind of make it. They kind of don't. They address the fact that they kind of make it and kind of don't. And that's just that's just it. You do get a little bit more in terms of the storyline, why the characters, their motivation. There's like vignettes or nuggets of information here and there. But really, it's just about the cooking. And they spend so much time. I got to say, I love Senshi. I love the dwarf. He's a fucking cool character yeah, he's, he's, he's like he's like this like hobo like i haven't i haven't touched grass or seen the yeah. light of day but i fucking know my shit when it comes to gourmet dungeon like food the, like the main characters right marcio leos and chilchuck they are like at the town square they're trying to find ways to be able to cook this 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 this, this creature that they managed to to, to acquire and, he, and then like leos is like no we, actually, can, we can eat this as is but what if it tastes good what if we make it taste good? And then Tenshi's like, "Hey, you want to ta- you want to try something to make it taste good? Right, right here." Runs away. And it's like, "What were you doing?" I brought this mushroom. It's like, "That's not a mushroom. That's a fucking monster. It's a monster mushroom." It's like, "Yeah, but if you cut it here, you cut it here. It's gonna taste good." Yeah, and also you don't cut it horizontally. You cut it vertically because of whatever reason. And that's just- where the world building comes in. That's where it's like, "Oh, so that's why it's so hard to kill these things because we're supposed to slash them this way and not that way." Yeah, and by the way, funny enough, if you know like your anatomy and physiology of these monsters, it makes them easier to kill because you understand the way their body or their mechanism and how they work. Also, I find it very uh, funny and interesting and somewhat ironic that uh, dungeon food, like killing creatures and eating them, is like shunned in this world. Like yeah. people like think it's despicable you have to go to like the cafeteria or like um the canteen or what, what, what? it's it's like that like the mess hall yeah exactly that. it's like it's, it's a town square is like mess hall where everybody congregates and gets their fucking like jugs of beer and plates of meat on sticks and shit but then like essentially like plebs they know nothing about proper nutrition a so, balanced diet so here is the thing I am not too worried about Studio Trigger's adaptation of it. What I'm worried about is how in-depth you would go on the food side. I mean, you could argue, hey, Jason, if you read Dungeon Meshi, which I have, it is almost like 80% of the manga. And I'm like, yeah, 
you're not wrong, but this is the one where I don't doubt Studio Trigger's ability. I more feel like it is up against a lot of odds. In, the sense, well, in the sense that there's a lot of food shows that are very food-centric and this is also trying to achieve the same thing. Yes, and also when Dungeon Meshi is not only the manga is massively popular and critically acclaimed, um, you get Studio Trigger where for better or for worse, while Studio Trigger has done a lot of good work and is one of my favorite animation studios, they tend to be a bit divisive sometimes in terms of the way that they portray or direct or even character design, for example. Uh, Kill a Kill... Uh, even cyberpunk and even little witch academia to me the character designs are like very uh or even promare are very distinctive and i'm not saying that the character designs in dungeon meshi are not distinctive they, but they actually quite are they actually they quite, are yeah. they are for sure but it's not the thing that stands out to me the most is the food you need like studio ghibli level of animation for food or, or like Shinkai's, Makoto Shinkai's, um, what was it? There was like, Garner Words had like amazing food rendering scenes. Oh, yeah. Especially when she drinks the beer. Yeah. So then in like Studio Ghibli, like especially with... Oh, yeah, um, yeah, eating dark chocolate and drinking beer. That's what it was. Uh, what was um, Spirited Away? That had a lot of food-related scenes that to me was quite memorable. Yeah. Especially there was like a toast scene, I think, that was like... Involving like I, I guess creatures? it's a little bit. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's unfair, but I think it's like we're, we're comparing like anime movies to like a, a series production. Oh, that is fair. Which, okay. which is of course like, like the budget is different. But I, I do get where your concern is coming from. What I would say in relation to that though is I think that's kind of just the the gem of it. It's not so much just how the food's presented, but also why they're going to get that food, how that food's going to be procured, what they're going to do with that food. Because this is not a standard gourmet series. They're not just going to, you know, order, you know, sliced pork belly off of Amazon, like in cooking. Hey, spoiler yeah. alert. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh, I, not for Dungeon Man. Oh, shit. Obviously. They shouldn't know it was pork. Oh, I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But it's like because they're, they're doing something that is completely different. Cooking dungeon monsters and beasts and random like like wildlife that people don't ever at least in this world ever even think about eating and also adding the point where it's like we're not just eating this because we're hungry we're eating this because we need necessary fuel to be able to achieve one step closer to our ultimate goal which is saving a companion i think the fantastical nature of like the beasts or the dungeon creatures are going to be fine done by studio trigger yeah what i worry about actually is the dungeon itself. Because the art of Dungeon Meshi, in terms of like the dungeon background and settings... What do you mean? Are so... What, what, what background? What settings? They're so intricately drawn. It's... Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't worry about that either. Because, I mean, you also have to think about the backdrops of like Kill a Kill and Little Witch Academia. And they were they were done well. Get, I... But, but, but then that's the thing too. It's like you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like do you want to have like very, very... I, I know I'm using a food pun here. But are, are, you, are you trying to have more emphasis on the food and then still worry about how the background is also drawn to? I feel that's like which part do you want to emphasize more? It's going to be hard to be able to do both to the maximum, given that this is still very much a series that is produced by a studio that 
does really well on very specific things, but yeah. can flounder a bit when it tries to overstretch its creativeness, when it tries to go beyond the the, the weird, stupid shit they do and try to do more normal, more boring things. And here's the thing. I think Dungeon Meshi has a lot of fighting, but doesn't have a lot of bombastic action. action. Yeah. I mean, you could even say that Little Witch Academia is more slice of life and more fantasy oriented. But even so, I would say, especially the second half, yeah. becomes fuck, more yeah. Gainax, Gurren Lagann, Killer Kill, Cyberpunk, Edge Runners. right? It, it could just be that. It could just be like the first half of Little Witch Academia where it's like, oh, okay, they're going to spend time building this world, trying to show the characters, trying to actually make a, a coherent plot. And then the second half, like, boom, shit goes fucking crazy look i'm glad that studio trigger is getting work i am glad that delicious in dungeon is getting an anime adaptation i am just cautiously optimistic it's not it's not the only one that is like to me a slam dunk right no i understand your hesitance as well because it's like it's it's a studio you care about but it's also because you care about it that you've seen the best of trigger and the worst like i like i would think it's like a wit studio type of thing more you know where the orchestral music or something that is they, kind they, of offbeat. They do have the comedy bit down as well, right? In terms of you know working on uh, working on Spike's family. Yeah, I I, I think the kind of uh, look. I could eat my own words, you know, using another food pun here, but the sauce is very, very uh, acclaimed. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that I would be too worried about tr- Trigger. Usually, do a at ver- at the very least a decent job. I think it's because of the fact that we are probably outside of uh, because of the fact that we're not seeing this yet. There is like an extended period of hype for us. Oh, and uh, hoping that will be good. Shit, will we forgot again? Okay, so rewind back. Skip and Loafer, uh, Kanahana, and Maya Sakamoto. Um, uh, watch i would put kanahana as the the blonde oh the kudre yeah the, the popular girl no the, the popular girl not not the love rifle but the, the popular yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah the popular girl i would say maya sakamoto for the popular girl as you well because so? uh, the kudre angle yeah, yeah i think so okay uh delicious in dungeon though Oh, I don't think either character fits in this one. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think maybe uh, this would be more the of the companion like... that they save. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> or no, maybe it's you know when they come across like this. Oh, like it's really really hard to obtain uh, elixir or or ingredient, and it's you know just this this little wicked old witch that's stirring her pot, and it's Maya Sakamoto pulls out an apple. It's like take a bite of the apple. Oh, but is it's it not like? A, but it's not an apple. You is know? it like Adachi and Shimamura where like? I haven't watched a, a, that. No, a background <laughs> character is voiced by Kanahana just because they uh, wanted to get Kanahana. Imagine there's like a character, there's a there's like a, a, a cat that no, shows up and the dude, cat what is voiced by Kanahana. Because that could totally happen. Yeah, Will, that can totally happen. Because has it happened? I'm not going to say anything, Will. Uh, but other than to say that Delicious in Dungeon looks like to be a very good time. I think... Almost all four of these shows that we talked about, you know, with manga properties, I would argue that Skip and Loafer is number one in terms of my hotly anticipated one of the four. Delicious in Dungeon and then uh, Hell's Hell's Paradise, Paradise. but that's a close third. 
and then kind of far back, but not like disappointed. Again, again we're not shitting on dangers, dangers in, in my, my heart. heart, but it's just the one that is the weakest to me. That's all. Yeah, I I, I agree with your your like, anticipation ranking as well. I I'm very very much looking forward to Skip and Loafer because it has all the pieces in place to make a very good adaptation. Dungeon and Meshi because I love food a lot and it could be uh, a very very well put together show with trigger but it does come with a warning as well it, it, it may not come together as nicely as possible but sometimes risks have to be taken and they're not always going to be you know risks well taken um hell's paradise like you just know it's gonna be good so i'll just keep it a third and my hope is that the characters become a little more fleshed out and there's actually more people to talk about other than Ishikawa and Yamada. Oh, for Dangers in My Heart? Yeah. So that's why it's like at the bottom. But then again, it's like out of the four. Like I'm I'm happy to watch any of them. And I think that is the end of our ASAP2. Uh, Will and I have already got a short list of ASAP3 candidates. So uh, we won't reveal them just yet. Uh, you're going to have to stay tuned for that. But you can always reach us through our email, gapallet at gmail.com. That's G-A-P-A-L-E-T-T-E at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, using the handle at Palette Good. That's capital P and capital G, all one word, or through our GAP Discord using the invite link that is in the show description. We have a website, www.goodanimepalette.com or www.goodanimepalette.net. You should check it out, all lowercase, all one word. Music credits for this episode. Our intro music is In Your by Hasten. Our break music is Botai by Oi. And our outro music is I Don't Mind the Instrumental Version by Particle House. You can support the music artists that we feature by listening to them on Spotify, Apple Music, or other various music listening platforms. And our royalty-free music was provided by Epidemic Sound. If you're interested, you can always sign up using our referral link that is in the show description. Terms and conditions apply. It was good to read some manga again, I have to admit. I think that like reading it again as well, it, it allowed for me to go beyond just sort of letting all the audio-visual creations and just like have everything set and just use my own imagination as to who I think. Well, I mean, I didn't I I, I already know that the voice cast is kind of like set for the upcoming series in spring. Yeah, especially when it is so close to the spring premieres, yeah. right? They usually announce it a month out or a month and a half out. So but it's nice to, like, at least in my own head, sort of imagine how the characters sound, how the tone will be set, how it will be paced, uh, maybe, like, background supporting music and all that. So I, I think, like, of the four, like, it was the most enjoyable reading Skip and Lover because it was so bare bones. There was a lot for you to be able to just, like, insert character voice here insert background music there oh maybe take a little bit of time going between one panel to another panel uh hell's paradise you can't really have as much imagination it, it as most shonen series go the only thing you can really think about is who's going to be the sound director who's going to be the voice actors and actresses because oh it, yeah they all, check it, out yeah, oh yeah they they're, it, they're all right exactly whereas like stuff like I guess even to an extent, right? Talking about like dangers in my heart and uh, skipping over like the slice of life stuff. It's a lot harder to really predict like how things will go. I'm I'm happy in saying that I think skipping over is going to be like the safest one, and I'll also be happy if dangers in my heart just proves me completely wrong. 
what I said was kind of like a little bit too harsh and it actually ends up being a pretty decent show. Yeah. I, I, I think one of the reasons why we chose these four, even though there were others that were on the short list, was because it was a good mixture of hype, good mixture of kind of shows that we want to ch- uh, eventually check out and mangas that we want to read. And enough like unknown quality for us to sort of just you know spitball and think you know it could go this direction could go that direction but either way we'll be happy to check it out yeah so i think that's the way it goes so let's see how this thing's goes. i mean like i think we're like eight or nine weeks into into the current season right now yeah so uh winter is very very soon going to be finishing up we're about four weeks uh we're in winter right now oh yeah we are shit Yeah, and we're only four weeks away from spring. So, um, y'all got four. Y'all got, y'all got four weeks to to read some manga if you really want to know what happens in the the affirmation shows, right? God damn it, Will! I have so much on my on hold list more so than usual. God, God, God damn it! Yeah, get ready to add more because in two weeks' time, Oshinoko is going to be airing. Oh shit! Does that mean we have to sort out our seasonal bet shit? Oh, we have to do that soon because technically, an anime is already out. I think March first. Like like some actually, I, I okay. This is this is just going to be something that we're going to go more in depth off air. But we'll say whatever has already released, we're not going to count towards the seasonal bet. But we let's try and get something in place before Oshinoko airs. Yeah, we we kind of did everyone dirty last time by not having a seasonal bet. It's so. fun. Let's try and put something together uh, in the next two weeks. Mar- sorry, March eleventh is Eden Zero second season. So basically, we don't have to give a shit. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Because I mean, how much of Eden Zero season one did you watch? Zero. Exactly. Uh, but Oshinoko is March seventeenth. So yeah. So we got uh, at least from recording like just under two weeks. Yep. And uh, let's uh, let's see how that goes. Uh, clean anime closet cleanup is our next uh, episode, so that's going to be pretty cool. Um, have you watched any of the shows? Hell no! I need to start watching stuff now. I watched like one episode of Charlotte, and you dropped it. No, I didn't drop it. Oh, I just you, you had other stuff you need to do. No, yeah. I just thought it was okay. Okay. Well, I mean, no, I was in like one episode. I mean, so I mean, I'm gonna finish as much as I can. I so it's not. Like, oh, a drop or a must-watch yet. Yeah, so hopefully you do finish up watching Charlotte and the other cleanups as well as for me as well because that's what we're going to be going over in the next episode. Until then, please read some manga. Hope you are staying on top of your winter seasonals because soon, very, very soon, we'll be talking about manga from the past, uh, anime in the past as well. And after the next recording, we're going to be going straight into spring 2023. Until then, we'll see you all soon. Peace.